of the crop. And there is no one that does it better than the Macho Man Randy Savage. Finally, the Rock has come back. This is where the big boys play, huh? Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. I am the best wrestler in the world. I'm the modern kid. Make yourself famous. These two are kicking each other's ass. <laughs> oh my God, what the heck? What did Titus just... I can't believe what I just saw! I'm better than you, and you know it! Stenavos! Settle! Your AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker! August 20th, 2021, I'm back! It's showtime, folks! Hello, and welcome to the WrestleBlast podcast. My name's David Cardiff, and not joining me this week is Andre Wakefield. Unfortunately, it's me that's under the weather. Um, My voice couldn't take doing a two-hour show, so instead of doing that, I thought that I would reach back into our past and pull out an old episode. And this one is timely because it's set in 2002, not long before Survivor Series, which is our previous episode there. And it features, if not the all-time worst, WWE storylines, which is the infamous Katie Vick story, if you don't know what that is oh boy you're in for an absolute treat joining us for this episode is also one of my uh, old friends a uh, longtime friend andy mckinney and uh, he would do the podcast with us on the regular at the time so um i've, I've tried to keep this episode as, as sort of faithful to the original i haven't really edited anywhere this is the episode that katie vick died and it's also the episode that andre left the podcast originally um and you'll hear his explanation at the time but Everything worked out because we're back together. I think this is a really fun episode. Whether or not the Kitty Vic storyline is uh, particularly good, the rest of it certainly has a lot of uh, high points. And there are some low points as well. And we will be back next week uh, with our Armageddon 2007 show, which uh, it won very handily in the poll. So thank you to everyone who voted on that. Anyway, enjoy the episode, and I'll see you in the next one. Hello and welcome to the WrestleBlast podcast, episode 15. My name is David Cardiff, your host and colour commentator, joined as ever by my very own Kitty Vic, Andre Wakefield, and Booger Red, Andy McKinney. Lads, how are you? Oh, dear God. It's been 84 years. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while since our, our last recording all together. Uh, unfortunately, a holiday got in the way of that, which actually I'm not going to apologise for. It was great. Um <laughs> at the time of my life and um yeah so i've uh, i've been sort of uh, catching up on wrestling uh, but uh, what have you guys been up to andre what about yourself what have you been doing oh man my personal life has been pretty busy i don't really want to go into details but because i'll be here for <laughs> like three podcasts but um yeah i just kind of been doing stuff and uh put kind of put my youtube on hold for a while but i'm planning on ke- coming back to it uh, I think next week, because FIFA comes out and Forza comes out, so oh, I'm right. a huge fan of those games. Excellent. Nice one. Um, Andy, what about yourself? I seem to be getting dragged in all directions, and nothing seems to be getting done, but I'm losing all time. Uh, trying to get the uh, videos rendered and everything, they're sort of sitting all ready to go. Trying to get the house sorted, it never seems to 
<laughs> to get into a state that I wanted. And uh, <laughs> Kirsty bought me a, a a drone for my birthday, so I'm learning to, I saw to that, fly yeah. that. So it's it's yeah, been awesome. awesome. Nice one, yeah, lucky boy. Um, <laughs> well, you know, you, you've given her a baby, so um, <laughs> it's only fair that she reciprocate in some kind of fashion. So <laughs> seems fair. <laughs> yes, impending fatherhood will decrease your time as you uh, as you get closer oh, to man. the uh, the due date, um, which is to to be expected, you know. So uh, <laughs> yeah. get used to it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I myself as well. As obviously, I was on holiday and uh, I started a tech course um, just to do some uh, extra skills to get me into a little bit the better employment. Cool. And uh, we're moving house soon, so there's uh, quite a lot on the horizon. And as usual, I've taken on a ridiculous amount of uh, extracurricular work with the podcast and videos and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> you know, you got to do what you enjoy. So absolutely, yeah. I Hopefully, agree. it all pans out. Um, before we start today's funeral, let's take a quick look at some pop culture for the time. Uh, of course, uh, today's show takes place on the 20th, um, but what was hot at the time in the world of movies, games and audio? Uh, starting with what was uh, just out in the cinema at the time, the only notable film that launched for the weekend of our pay-per-view was the American version of The Ring, starring Naomi Watts. Ooh, one of my all-time favourite movies right there. Wow, was that that old? <laughs> yeah, Damn. yeah, um, 2002. Yeah, I, I forget, I failed to mention the year there, but uh, uh, October uh, October 20th, 2002 is what we're looking at today, obviously. And uh, yeah, the, the ring. You know what? I've never actually seen the American version. I've only seen the Japanese version. Oh, the. But I, funnily enough, I've just actually seen Rings, which is the uh, the list oh, in God. the. Uh, the it, that, <laughs> that's the third. That's the third in the series. It would be yeah, yeah, terrible. No, the I'm original sure. I think is great. Uh, I've seen them both, and I can't say which one's better, which one's not, because there are some like pure fans who think like the the Japanese is the, is better, but sure. I think you have to look at it as two very different cultures trying to tell the same story, and I think the the American version it does a good job of, say, of telling it from like the American perspective. So the, this is going a, a wee bit off uh, off topic, but there, there's a girl already. <laughs> there's a girl we work with, um, and um, we were sitting in the the canteen one day talking about like old films, and I happened to mention it been the first time I'd ever watched Old Boy. And uh, a couple of the guys go, oh yeah, it's a brilliant film, brilliant film. So she was like, oh, I've got to go go off and watch this. So she went off, watched it. Next week comes back, goes, that old boy film was shite. And I went, which one did you watch? She goes, why was there two? And I went, yeah. Did you watch the American remake? She goes, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 watch that one. Isn't old boy? Uh, <laughs> isn't that like a Korean movie? It is, yeah. Yeah, okay. I've never seen it, but I know what it is. Oh, it's very yeah. good. It's on my watch list as well, but it's one that I've uh, guiltily never, uh, never actually got around to watching. But uh, maybe at some stage, mm, highly recommend. So over on the video game side of things, the only notable thing was uh, Red Faction Two, uh, which launched on October fifteenth for PlayStation Two. Um, there's an absolute ton of stuff around it, but I think that's the closest thing I can find to an actual good video game at the time. Unless you want to talk about Shrek's treasure hunt. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Let's not. Mm. I, I, I would imagine Halo is probably still at its peak at this point. 
yeah, I don't think they'd released really any kind of Halo games around it. So yeah, maybe one day we'll do a review and Halo will be there and we can uh, we can gush over how, how good Halo was and <laughs> all the, the subsequent sequels. But uh, swinging over to the pop charts, obviously it's our favourite it's our favourite point of this catch-up, really, isn't Yay. it? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the UK number one. <laughs> it's a song that I think everyone remembers. is uh, the Ketchup song oh by Last Ketchup. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the heck is that? Hey, oh, no, don't worry. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's... Uh, Yeah, you'll you'll get it when you hear it. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> okay. And it'll be stuck in your brain for at least uh, a week or two. It was so catchy. <laughs> and uh, it, you know, don't worry. I've got you covered too, Andre. The US number one at the time was uh, "Dilemma," Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland. Oh, I love that song. Oh, I really do. Was that this the, is one that is that the one where Kelly Rowland's trying to text from an Excel document? Yes. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it's in the video. She's yep. like texting. Yeah, in the Where are video. you? And she's in a spreadsheet application on the phone. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> it's not a song I'm familiar with, so I'm gonna have to check that one out. But I'll splice that one in too for you, for kicks. You'll definitely know that when you hear it. It's one for the ladies, I would say. Mm. Okay, you're not selling it to me, but they are. <laughs> so there you go, lads. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to have to get into our pay-per-view because it's quite a lengthy one because uh, just due to some of the stuff around it, uh, we need to sort of look at uh, maybe the surrounding shows. But uh, No Mercy 2002. Let the truth be told. Kane is a murderer. Kane, you are a murderer. Denial fuels the anger. One show, one champion, the Intercontinental Champion, facing the World Heavyweight Champion, winner, take all. Who will show no mercy? Kane might be able to take the life of a sweet girl like Katie Vick. Do you think I want to get in the ring with a murderer? Be able to take my title. Is it haunted by ghosts from your past? Do 
may never see a healthy daddy after this man unleashes his fury on you tonight. Yes, you were the phenom during a decade of destruction. And this is your signature match. One which you have ruled with domination and brutality. But you've never walked through hell with a man as sadistic as Brock. A ruthless animal that has destroyed the greatest icon the world has ever seen. This is the new phenom that is going to annihilate you. Lay waste to your legend. Destroy all that you hold so dear. Destiny has arrived and condemns you! Condemns you! Condemns you! To hell! Espirito Santo, dead man, rest in peace. So our pay-per-view begins with a deep in thought Booger Red, aka The Undertaker, aka The American Badass, staring at a cast on his arm. Kane sits down beside him and asks him, Well, how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> nothing like a bit of comedy to start off the uh, the show you know but uh it cuts to a video package of triple h calling kane a murderer that's right folks let's have some comedy and then lead into a package calling a, the comedian a murderer <laughs> <laughs> but not just any murderer oh no knox county's very own murderer kane um i wonder like as he runs for the mayor in knox county if his opponents will bring up the storyline or oh, think God. it's real <laughs> that would be hilarious <laughs> there's no way he well, can what, what about when he what about when he was carrying it around a hook and like poking people's eyes out a few years later well <laughs> i suppose they could say that was promotional material for the <laughs> film but this is just uh God knows. <laughs> but uh, the murderess, or dead person in this case, is sweet, innocent Katie Vick. What the fuck is this, lads, was my first question. <laughs> Obviously, I remember it, but uh, very, very brief details. I wasn't as fully aware as to how bad this angle was, but uh, don't worry. Before we continue, your very own Grimm will spin you a tale, fair Katie Vick. Oh, no. <laughs> so... October 7th of Raw, this is a couple of weeks before our pay-per-view, Triple H had been inf- interfering with Kane's matches along with his evil sidekick, Ric Flair. But to what end? Well, during what would prove to be an awful idea, Raw held what was known as the Raw Roulette, which ended with a title unification being on the cards between the World Heavyweight Champion and the Intercontinental Championship. Chris Jericho, who was the Intercontinental Champion at the time, um, and getting ready to face Hunter at No Mercy, lost the belt to Kane, meaning that Kane replaced him and was now vying for the world title. Not to convolute the story at all, our villain Triple H claimed Kane was a murderer and had murdered someone called Katie Vick, ending the show with a stunned Kane. October 14th, after losing his tag team titles that he was uh, holding at the time with the Hurricane uh, due to Flair and Hunter's tactics, um, Kane entered the ring and began telling every fan in attendance at his home er, and at home his side of the story, stating that he had went out with his girlfriend Katie. This is many years ago, by the way. Uh, they had had a little bit too much to drink. Kane got behind the wheel and eventually lost control of his car. Kane got injured, but Kitty, poor Kitty, was dead. <laughs> Triple H probably burned even more (laughs) (laughs) well he wasn't because at this time he was wearing a sleeveless shirt and all (laughs) so 
Triple H didn't waste any time in coming down and provoking Kane and telling a different side to Kane's story. Triple H mentioned that at Katie's autopsy, doctors found traces of Kane's semen, <laughs> leaving him to ask two really upsetting questions. One, did Kane force himself on her while she was alive? Or did he wait until she was dead? <laughs> I, I remember Triple H's quote, like his face and his tone of voice, like as if it was yesterday. Oh, that's... <laughs> It's one I of, think this whole anger will haunt you by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those storylines that when they look back at it, they must go, yeah, whoops. Yeah, Keep in mind, I was, I was only 11 at that time, so <laughs> watching Jesus. all this was a little weird to me, especially since I still believed that at least half of wrestling was real. So <laughs> There you go. Uh, but they weren't done there. <laughs> Towards the end of the show, Kane attempted to gain revenge on Triple H as he got to the ring, uh, but Trible H quickly escaped. Kane then targeted his assault on half of the Raw roster by chokeslamming them and then stared down at Triple H as they were set to square off in their unification title match at No Mercy. But uh, we'll hear more on the ballad of poor Katie Vick later, and I bet you can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so... Back to our video package for No Mercy, we see the build to WrestleMania 30 pretty much, but a twisted version with babies crying and a demonic voice speaking in tongues setting up Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match. Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler welcome us to the Altel Arena in North Little Rock, Arkansas, with 10,000 people in attendance, which was actually 9,074, but uh, you got to inflate it a little bit. Um, there was... 298,000 people watching from home, drawing a live gate of $330,850. Tonight's show, which I don't think they explained off the top, was a joint pay-per-view with Raw and SmackDown, as we were in the midst of the first brand split still. Um, but I have a note for each match, so you don't have to get like lost as to who or which brand people are from. During the first year, every pay-per-view was co-branded, and then I think at Bad Blood... 2003 is when they did this uh the separate pay-per-views oh is that yeah. how they did it yeah at first every pay-per-view was co-branded right mm-hmm. and then they they sort of went down the route of separating them okay, yeah i get you i have to be honest um i think i prefer it this way i think i prefer having a little bit of a mixture of like who you've got on your card but i suppose at the time they probably didn't have as swollen a roster as uh you know what we do today yeah. um obviously we've just had no mercy 2017 there was just uh well last night actually mm-hmm. yeah. um so it was a uh, it, it was a little bit more stacked i think um compared to uh this and you know that's just with what the raw roster wasn't it it is yeah that was on no mercy 2017 so you can imagine if you had both the smackdown and raw rosters you'd probably be either seven or eight hours longer than the already eight hours or you'd have perhaps a cut down card and people wouldn't be getting onto the actual show itself but um we'll perhaps run down uh no mercy 2017 uh towards the end anyway as we sort of get through this one um but uh, did you? I mean, did you guys prefer it that way? Did you like the the idea of having a joint co-branded pay per view then, or did you do you like it the way it is today, where we've got I'll, a pay per view every two weeks? I like the joint one because it feels like the best of the best are on the show. Like you have to be one of the top guys to be on here. Obviously, Don Marie and <laughs> I mean, this particular <laughs> card is not the best example, I guess. But um, it just feels it feels like the All Star Game. It feels like 
mm. okay, I have to pay money to watch this, you know, because the best guys are going to be on there. So I do like the old school way better, I guess. Yeah, mm. I suppose we've got our modern incarnations of the joint pay-per-views in SummerSlam, Survivor Series, WrestleMania, uh, yeah. Royal Rumble. But, you know, as I said there, you've got a swollen roster at that stage and you've got multi-man matches. They never seem to really go anywhere. The feuds never really sort of get finished. It just It's a stepping stone to the next night or the next pay-per-view. Um, yeah, because... Uh, you were saying how the roster was not as as thick, I guess, back then. But you got to remember, yeah. like uh, the Hardy Boys, uh, Big Show, Hogan, uh, the uh, the Guerreros. Like none of those guys were on here. So even though they were on the roster at the time, mm. so a lot of guy, a lot of top names were left off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, you, you're you're right. So getting into our pay per view, then our first match is for the World Tag Team Championships from Raw. Uh, with one half of the tag team champs out first, Chris Jericho, followed by his partner with his awesome music, Christian. We get a recap of Y2J feuding with Booker T, as we see Booker's partner out next, Goldust. Um, the pair had been partnered for some time since July or August, and uh, would of course have some great comedy skits over their tag team duration. Uh, Booker T f- uh, follows to a huge reaction uh, from Goldust. And really the story of this match is... Um, Booker wanting to get Jericho in the ring, but Jericho's having none of it, so he opts for Christian to start. Um, it's a fast back and forth match to start uh, between the various members, with Jericho avoiding Booker utilising his heel moves to keep Goldust in the ring. Eventually, T is tagged in and gets a very, fairly nice, fiery heated tag. He runs through his high kicking offence and gets a great rolling corner sunset flip on Jericho, which I thought was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, Goldust tags back in, lands a shattered dreams on Christian in the corner and with Jericho being dropped toehold into Christian's junk <laughs> pulls of Jericho on Goldust with T stopping it uh, Booker back in with Jericho trying a springboard dropkick from the middle rope but the turnbuckle and rope snaps in truly spectacular fashion um, almost hitting a cameraman in the face as the rope flies out um, but more worryingly sends Jericho falling flat on his face uh, this was a really scary, it wasn't a spot, but it was a very scary moment in the match, as I'm sure it wouldn't take much to sprain your ankle or break your leg if you weren't too mm. careful. And I'm sure Vince was probably spitting feathers backstage on this one. Yeah, I mean, like you saying, it, it, it was pretty dangerous. I think the it could have been a lot worse. Jericho seemed to be going for like a, a springboard forearm. If he had been going for something like a lion salt, he may have already been you know, in the position over his neck. Yeah, yeah, it's true. This That's reminds true. me of I think Hayabusa was it the Japanese wrestler that he went for a lion salt, but he landed on on top of his head. <sighs> you guys, have you guys seen that clip? No, but that sounds and, no. I don't yeah, think he so. was paralyzed neck down for like fifteen years. I think oh he died God. last year. There, yeah, Jeez. there's a there's a clip of it. You guys should look it up. I think his name was Hayabusa, and just type in neck injury or, or something. <sighs> but every every time somebody does that. Uh, I just think of that clip and yeah. I get so scared. Yeah, it's very rare that it will break in WWE. It's more you'd see it on the sort of independent circle, circles mm, like sure. what, cult- what Culture Pro Wrestling, I think, is the most recent example I could give you of uh, ropes breaking. But um, yeah, it's pretty scary when it does happen. And uh, it's, I mean, it's hard to know what exactly happened here, but you know, it could be, it could have been, you know, a, a, a person, uh, a man-made issue, or it could have been just like something snapped. But mm-hmm. it's fairly yeah. scary. 
He quickly recovers and backdrops Booker over the ropes to try and save face. Um, the match sort of loses a little bit of momentum as they try to like they have to rethink the finish, but I thought it played out quite nicely. The finish sees Booker tackling Christian on the outside with Jericho landing on the moonsault off the top rope. Fair play to him, like going for yeah. you know the same sort of thing again, but um, <laughs> he lands a moonsault onto Goldust, picking up the win in eight minutes forty-seven seconds. Um, I thought it was a solid opener, and it really got the card going. Um, Andre, what did you think? I, I remember uh, loving both of these tag teams. I thought Jericho and Christian they had great chemistry, and they were just a really hilarious um, heel team. They had, like, the ass cream and all that. I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved the Booker T and Goldust. That's one of my all-time favorite tag teams, even though it's a really odd couple. Um, yeah, uh it was a good match other than that scary spot that we just talked about. And I thought Jericho was pretty clever at finding his way around it, around the finish. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a, a real moonsault would be more effective anyways than a lion's salt. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're probably getting bigger height, aren't you, off the top? So, yeah. Uh, Andy, what did you think yourself? Like you say, it was a fantastic opener. The, uh, the match was aggressive from the the get-go very fast pacing didn't really slow down until the whole thing with the uh the the ring rope like you say everyone had to reevaluate what they they were going to do after that point but yeah as an as an opening match i thought it was fantastic i did always find it weird like though with um when they split up edge and christian it wasn't too long before they put them into other tag teams yeah, and Christian's main music was "At Last You're On Your Own." <laughs> yeah, so get into another tag team. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Well, time to take our first look backstage to the back. This is Funaki Smackdown number one announcer. Funaki has big scoop. A one-on-one interview with Tolly Wilson's father. Ow! Mr. Wilson, three weeks ago, prior to the bikini contest between Damari and Tori, Damari gave you this peak. Take a look. It was a sneak peek for Al. Big time. That's great. How did this? Peak make you feel? Well, um, uh, uh. Then, prior to the lingerie contest, Danmari gave you another peak. Take a look. Can you do me a favor and give me your honest opinion on something? Sure. Have you ever seen <laughs> Twin Peaks before? To be honest, I've never been involved before. Now, how did this peak make you feel? Well, um, uh, uh, after lingerie contest, Damari gave you the key to her hotel room. New Divas Undressed magazine. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, there's a... Yes. Well, you a comment. Uh, 
I, 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 um. And then last week, after a mixed tag team match with Tori and Damari, you, your daughter, Tori, found you in the shower with Damari. Now, Fnaki has big question. Why were you wearing your clothes in the shower? I'm going to say this once only. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. It seems that Mr. Al Wilson does not understand English. From Normalcy, this is Funaki, Smackdown, number one announcer report. Bwong. Racist gong, anyone? <laughs> no? Maybe it's the a wee one? <laughs> Poor old Funaki. Uh, Smackdown's number one announcer, which was his gimmick at the time, has to try and interview Tori Wilson's dad, which, you know, Vince was probably backstage laughing somewhere. You know, like, ha ha ha, look at that Jap speaking funny. Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> not only that... Um, not only that, a light went off in my head that someone was obsessed with death in the WWE at this time because obviously with what happens to poor old Al down the road, but mm. um, <laughs> oh dear, it's desperate. Like because um, obviously we've got Katie Vick and then you've got Al who passed away a few months uh, after the storyline. But anyway, was, wasn't that a, wasn't that a joke? Like I don't think he really died. No, he didn't, but they made it out that he actually did die. Yeah, he had like a heart attack during that's sex right. or something. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what it was. Oh, and <laughs> I'm sorry to spoil it, Andre, but no one, no, no, Kitty Vic actually died anyway. <laughs> oh no, I, no, 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 I know that. I thought you meant that Al Wilson actually died a few months after the storyline. No, no, sorry, just in storyline. Yeah. <laughs> Funaki asks Al about that time Don Marie flashed him and how that made him feel, cutting to a skit from a few weeks back of Don showing Al her lady parts backstage. Al mumbles, so Funaki says, Remember that bikini contest she gave you another peek? This this time showing Don asking Al if he'd ever seen Twin Peaks while pretty much just getting her baps out. Um, she was wearing a bikini, folks, so... Um, <laughs> Don't get too excited. Yeah. Al mumbles, mumbles again, so Funaki says, and remember she gave you her hotel room key in a dirty magazine? <laughs> again, we see Don and Al, but he just, like, mumbles. I, 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 I. So <laughs> Funaki brings up last week, stating, remember after your daughter's tag team match last week, she found you in the, sh- the shower with Don Marie? <laughs> Which, first of all, <laughs> what struck me was on this one was he was, like, fully clothed. But with great comic timing, Funaki says, now, I have a big question why were you in your clothes in the shower? <laughs> Which I did laugh at. I thought it was yeah, great. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Al responds with the infamous Bill Clinton line that he did not have sexual relations with that woman. All in all, I have to say I really enjoyed this, ske- this sketch considering how bad they normally are, but I thought this was great stuff. 
I thought it was. I almost felt like this was filler while they were fixing the ring because oh, I kind of felt like this was going on for too long. But mm. it, it was pretty entertaining. I, I miss stuff like this, as silly as it is. I do miss it every once in a while. Well, you've got Jason Jordan and Kurt Angle now to no, keep you entertained, no, Andre. I, I, no, <laughs> with their awkward hugging work. backstage. <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah, I just love um, the, the wee bit at the end with uh, Funaki signing off. It's like clearly. Al Wilson does not understand English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Desperate. Uh, our next match is a SmackDown match. So we have Taz and Michael Cole calling this one, with Cole reiterating that the next match is a SmackDown women's match between Don Marie and Tori Wilson. Don's out first, and obviously this match is off the back of the Don and Al story, with Tori pissed that Don is gold digger. Um... And in typical 2002 fashion, after Tori dropkicks Don Marie to the mats to start, they shout, the crowd start, starts shouting, we want puppies. So, Cole reminds yeah. us that Tori's already beaten Don in a lingerie match and a bikini contest. 2002, ladies and gentlemen, and 2002. Uh, what the hell did that have to do with anything? It's like, well, we can see that the, she's already bested her. It was a best of three, maybe? I don't know. That's got nothing to do with anything. Well... Don gives Tori a knee to the lady parts, which Taz says, that wouldn't hurt her. There's nothing down there. <laughs> 2002, ladies and gentlemen. And, 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 and I remember, I don't remember how the rest of the conversation went, but Michael Cole said something and Taz said, well, maybe you know how it feels or something like that. God. <laughs> yeah. The ref tries to pull Don and Tori apart, but ends up rolling around the ring with them in a catfight spot. <laughs> no Joey Styles here, though. Um, once he gets them apart, he does like a little cheer, and he like jumps in the air with his hands in the air and celebrates that he copped a feel. <laughs> a sexual harassment. 2002, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I, I can't help but laugh at that, though. I, it's so funny to me. In hindsight, it's very funny, but at the time... What? It was. It we was sh- just. We should have known better. Back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For teenagers, that's just like, oh, that's normal. But uh, yeah, it's terrifying <laughs> for a workplace environment, anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Like you say, this was like 2002. We're just getting going with the bad stuff, like pillow fights and all the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. The match is very short, though, uh, with Tori pinning Don in 4 minutes and 41 seconds. And you'll note there's no mention from me of moves, which isn't because it was a bad match. I mean, it's hard to have a bad match in under 5 minutes. Um, But it's more because that's pretty much what the commentators did, ignoring most of the match. Um, Bar Cole calling a sloppy clothesline spot. Mm. Uh, They rather focused on the story and the typical sexualization of the women at the time. So... It's it's a shame because there was some good moments in the match itself, and I did enjoy it. But um, yeah, it was overshadowed by this pure sexual exploitation of the women. But uh, what did you think, uh, lads? Uh, Andy, what did you think of the match overall? I don't really have an awful lot of thoughts on it because, like, like you say, when when the crowd started, like we want puppies and all that. It's like, I guess this is just. It's just going to go downhill from here, and I wasn't interested in it. So I, I think I started <laughs> like looking at my phone and looking up every oh, yeah. every now and then. It was it was one of those matches that was like the crowd has killed it for me, and I'm not going to watch it. So I I didn't really. 
I think it's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, I think everyone can be guilty when uh, when these matches come on on these uh, these old cards that you do tend to uh, just drift away as you you see uh, you see some of the shit going on yeah. in the ring and the, the things that are being announced. Andre, do you have any thoughts on the match or uh, should uh, we move I on? Got- I gotta say that Don Marie was in a much better place on this show than back in the ECW show that we watched oh, a, yeah, a few yeah. months ago. I mean, back then it was just horrible. They were just treating her like a real prostitute. At least here she comes off more like a model, I guess you could say. More respectable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a slight step up in, uh, in the world, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but uh, to the back. RVD, in just moments, you step into the ring with Ric Flair, a man that a month ago at Unforgiven nailed you in the stomach with the sledgehammer and cost you a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship. Your thoughts? Well, you know, Coach, Ric Flair is a 16-time world champion. He styles. He profiles. He's a limousine-riding, jet-flying, kiss-stealing, wheeling-and-dealing son of a gun. As for RVD... I don't style. I don't profile. Limos? I don't need them. You can catch me in line at Hertz waiting to drive myself to the next town. Hey, I'm just that way. Jets? I fly commercial. Quite often I even get stuck in coach. No offense. Bro, I even get stuck in the middle seat sometimes. Eh, me? I guess I'm more of a chair smashing? Frog splashing! Risk taking! Yitting and yanging! Woo! 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 Van Daminating! Dude! Name Rob Van Dam! Well, Rob Van Dam, you've never seen him before. Now back to you. Oh, wait, wait, wait a sec. Come here, come here. I know I'm a raw guy, but this, this is too good to be true. Brock Paul, Brock Paul, real quick, real quick, guys. You're just a few moments away from Hell in a Cell later tonight. Your thoughts, your thoughts on this match? Not now. Wait a sec, Tra- Tracy, Tracy, real quick, if you don't mind. Now, now, your recent accusations of The Undertaker, now they have caused quite a fervor. Accusations? No, there is no accusations. What I said was the truth. He is a liar and a cheat. Everything that I have said is the truth. I am here tonight to watch that scumbag get what he deserves inside Hell in a Cell. I'll tell you what, that girl is a Jezebel, ladies and gentlemen. Coach is with RVD asking about how Rob feels that Ric Flair, his opponent tonight, cost him his shot at the World Heavyweight Championship. Rob runs down Rick's usual troops on limos and jets before saying that he doesn't fly in jets, he's in commercial riding coach. Easy. <laughs> I thought there was a joke. I thought somebody was going to make a joke in there, but... Uh... <laughs> Didn't it's didn't he say no offense. no offense or something? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, yes he did actually. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't pick up. I think I was too busy laughing at him saying that. <laughs> he uh, he cuts a well scripted promo um, before ending with his RVD taunt, but it was 
as we've saw in the ECW um, pay-per-view that we watched, it's he's not good at promos. No. <laughs> what I've seen so far is that he's not good at promos. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I've never been a fan of Rob's promos, um, bar that one against Landstorm in the first ever ECW pay-per-view. Um, but maybe we'll eventually find one. I will. And uh, did either of you like this one? Um, um, I thought I thought the whole uh, strutting kind of went on and on forever. It was a little bit cringy. To silence uh, as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he would say a line and then do the uh, flare strut, and then he'd just go back and forth and back and forth. And um, I don't think RVD's the worst at promos. I, I like his whole chill, cool dude vibe type of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't ever expect a big speech from him or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point, I think. Yeah, I, c- I probably could have done without the, the strutting and wooing and stuff, but it was, yeah. like you say, for Rob, it's not bad. Coach spots someone and races after the SmackDown champion Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman. They blow him off and walk off, but we are introduced to someone new, someone called Tracy who Coach asks about her thoughts on the match tonight and her claims over The Undertaker. She flips out and calls The Undertaker a liar and a cheat. More on that later, as JR says to bring us back to the arena, She's a Jezebel! (laughs) (laughs) Our next match is a Raw match with our first competitor being Ric Flair. We see a highlight package again with Ric Flair interfering with Rob's match with Triple H, saving Hunter's belt and teaming up with him. RVD makes his way out next, and the match begins immediately with RVD chasing Flair to the outside. Lots of great offense that you might expect from RVD with high kicks and springboard splashes and all that sort of goodness. Um, Rick regains control after a while with the usual Flair heel moves, slowing Rob right down, targeting RVD's legs. Um, As Flair is working over uh, Rob, King brings up Tracy and The Undertaker, indicating a pregnancy, which JR says, The Undertaker is a happily married man, and his wife is very much pregnant. Um, (laughs) King, a short while later, says, Do you think pregnant women are attractive? (laughs) Flair manages to distract King by getting Rob into a figure four in the ring, but Rob manages to escape. He gets back on the offense, but Rob forgets to sell during the match, um, (laughs) especially towards the end, landing all sorts of kicks and splashes, and then just like not limping at all. So it was uh, my the first thing that sprung to mind was Kalisto. Oh god! (laughs) Oh god! (laughs) That last time we reviewed that pay per view, where Kalisto just forgot to completely sell (laughs) once he got in the ring, was just the thing of uh, the thing of dreams. Um, He nails Flair with a five star frog frog splash, which jolts his mind, selling his leg on landing, but still picks up the win in eight minutes and one second. Um, And then straight after the match, uh, though he's balancing on the middle rope. Uh, the leg's 100% better. <laughs> so yeah. it was the the shortest selling ever. It was like he landed, he sold it, he wins the match, then he goes back to just not selling it. <laughs> I thought the match overall was really good. drugs. <laughs> well, that said, he was just so chilled. Uh, it was overall like a really good match. Uh, always nice to see this era of Ric Flair in action doing all of his mad spots, like taking a bump from the top turnbuckle. Um, and the match was only really let down for me by RVD selling, as I mentioned, and the commentators taking a detour, as I mentioned, uh, in the middle of that, just thanks to uh, to King. But overall, a nice match and really nice uh, to see Flair putting over people. Um, what did you think, Andre? Um, to me, 
nothing really stood out in this match, but I have nothing to complain either. Uh, to me, I kind of feel like these two guys have really clashing styles, and I don't know if it benefits them or not. Um, because RVD is obviously like kicking, flying around everywhere, and Flair is just old, not athletic. <laughs> 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 so, but I think it could have been a lot worse. I think it's it was decent enough. Yeah, I, I give it sort of a, an average score on that one. Um, I think I thought it worked all right. Like you say, Rob is the the high flyer. Rick's more of a a, a ground based wrestler. So I think that was how they sort of matched the two of them up. Rick tried to keep Rob Rob grounded most of the time, and I, yeah, I thought it was a, a good showing from from Rick. Even though what what was he about then? Is he God, he was in his fifties. Yeah, I think he was fifty three or fifty four. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, if he's old. If I'm still moving around at that, uh, then fair play, like. Well, that's it. And, you know, years later, you'd see Flair in a uh, Money in the Bank ladder match, mm, taking a yeah. bump off the ladder, which is just incredible. So there you are. But uh, without further ado, to the back. It's not right. And you know it's not right. I know it's not right. But, sure, I don't really think I'm the one to be giving you advice. I mean... Stephanie. I can't do anything about it. You know who you should be talking to. I know who I should be talking to. I just gotta figure out what, what the hell I'm gonna. What is going on here? What is this? Speak of the devil. You know what? Right now, you really don't want to know. No, I do want to know. You see, because you're raw property, which means you're my property, and I demand to know what the hell is going on here. Well, I'm just gonna back out. I mean, I'll let you two talk. It's a raw thing. You want to know what's going on, Eric? I'll tell you what's going on. I was talking to Stephanie about the fact that I haven't been on a pay-per-view since July. I haven't headlined a pay-per-view in I don't know how long. I'm a giant. I'm 7'2". I'm 500 pounds. I'm a former WCW champion. I'm a former... WWE champion. And yet, what am I doing? I'm standing around with my thumb up my ass because of you. Well, let me tell you something, show. You don't take that tone with me. And you don't ever, ever talk to Stephanie McMahon, period. You understand that? Just who the hell do you think you are? Yeah, who the hell do you think you are? I am a very angry giant. I should be in the main events. And I suggest you put me there soon. Because the next time I get my hands around your neck, I'm going to snap it like a twig. You know it's not right. Big Show is pointing at Stephanie, telling her she knows it's not right and that she can't do anything for him. Eric Bischoff turns up complaining that Big Show is not allowed to talk to Stephanie because he's raw property. Show is pissed off because he hasn't been on a pay-per-view in months. Um, Eric gives him some uh, grief and uh, to wind his neck in, tells him to wind his neck in pretty much. Um, Show grabs Eric, smashing him into some catering tray trolleys, telling Eric that he better be main eventing soon or the next time he grabs his neck, he'll snap it like a twig. (laughs) As Show walks off, we see Eric seething after him. So (laughs) I thought it was a great wee segment, I thought. Um, 
but I did think Show looked unhealthily large at this stage. Yeah, he like, did. He claimed to weigh 500 pounds, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was too far off it. Like, you see when he held up his hand? It was like, mm-hmm. just that, it, it, it looked like a ham shank. <laughs> it was massive. Well, I think a few a few months before this, he was actually sent down to OVW That's to right, lose yeah. weight. Right, right. So it must have been really bad at that time. Yeah. yeah, he was. I mean, he was bad from day one in the, the WWF when he joined, um, and he spent multiple stints. I think down in OVW. I mean, this latest one, he went down, he came back, and really, he hadn't lost any weight. It didn't really work. And that was that's pretty much the story of his career. He sort of went up and down in weight. At the moment, I'm glad to say he's in really good shape oh, and absolutely. looking after himself. Um, I listened to a podcast recently with, I can't remember, it might have been Jericho or someone where he was basically discussing his diet. And this guy's going in, like, he's all all in in this diet like he's doing. And uh, it's it's awesome to see him, in, you know, pretty much ripped at this stage in his life because he must be sort of pushing, you know, 50s now. I suppose so. Yeah. yeah he's in must his be 40s, near 50. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. JR throws us to a package before our next match on the illustrious lineage of the Intercontinental title, showing old champions like Pat Patterson, Tito Santana, The Ultimate Warrior, Owen Hart, Jeff Jarrett, as uh, well as some of the controversy around it. Uh, I thought it was an absolutely amazing package, I thought, and I wish that we could have more packages like this today for the belt. Mm. But, of course, as I think I mentioned earlier tonight's... um, tonight's match was the end of the road at that time for the belt as it was being merged with the world heavyweight championship belt um regardless of who won the uh, the match tonight but uh definitely i'd love to see a little bit more of them injecting the history of the you know the belts uh, like the wwe championship is technically the wwf winged eagle belt that sort of lineage yeah. that goes all the oh, way back yeah, to yeah. um bruno sammartino and and people like that so and then it'd be landed nice on jinder mahal Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> the less said about him, the better, considering his uh, his recent pay-per-view matches. But uh, back to the arena, and Tajiri is out first for our next match, taking on JB Noble. We get a short video package showing off why these two are having a match, with Noble and Nidia having a boyfriend-girlfriend match, I'm using air quotes there, um, which I think stemmed from Noble having wandering eyes, perhaps. Um, Tajiri was drafted in as a ref, and when Noble pinned Nidia, Tajiri tried to help her up after the match. Noble took offence, the two heels reconciled, (laughs) and beat the shit out of Tajiri. Voila, match. So... (laughs) Noble is out second with Nidia and Tajiri cuts the entrance short by diving onto Noble on the outside after a baseball dropkick. There's a sign in the crowd at this stage which says Monkey Anderson. Yeah, what was <laughs> no idea what it meant. No, I was slightly puzzled as well at that stage. Um, Noble is um, redneck uh, Noble at the stage, mm. so it's a step up from the last time we saw him playing the part of uh, Jimmy-san on WCW Bash. Yeah, back, back, back when he was Asian... Back when he was playing the part of a broom and hiding behind it. <laughs> the Jung Dragons. Yes, and for anyone out there who hasn't listened to our episode, you can uh, you can hear more on that. Uh, check out our Bash at the Beach 2000 episode uh, on SoundCloud and iTunes. <laughs> uh, the lads go back and forth before Noble gains control, all the while he's shouting, Come on, boy! <laughs> the crowd are on par with uh, today's Cruiserweight matches, as they as in they were pretty much dead until we get some big moves. Yeah. Um, if, 
that pretty much doesn't happen to, until Tajiri lands a great springboard tornado DDT followed by a great flurry of stiff kicks and strikes. And the finish begins with Tajiri apl- applying the tarantula in the corner trying to follow up with the uh, buzzsaw kick after it but noble ducks noble lance is great looking tiger bomb for a two um there's a bit of confusion before nydia trips to jerry with noble getting a weird assisted pin in eight minutes and 15 seconds and uh, post-match, Tajiri sexually, sexually assaults Nydia by wearing the face off her, uh, which he just, like, <laughs> tee-hees afterwards. Of course, the crowd were, were loving it at the time, 2002, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but so did Nydia, because she had a big dirty smile on her face. And this enrages Noble. Um, of course, by this, uh, he shouts, um, Let me show you how a real man does it. So he... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Andre. <laughs> so he sticks the lifts on Nydia, and while he does that, Tajiri nails him in the back of the head with a kick to end the match and segment fully. <laughs> I thought the match was good. I <laughs> didn't really overly appreciate some of the bollocks surrounding it. Um, it was just pretty much a match, but uh, I thought Tajiri looked great, and uh, Noble is just a solid hand in the ring. And uh, what did you guys think, Andy? Uh, I think you you're right. It was a sort of a, a filler match. the The storyline didn't really make much sense, but it was still good. Uh, I've always liked Tajiri. I thought he was brilliant as like light heavy, uh, light heavyweight champion. And then when they brought the the cruiserweight in, I thought he was a a great fit there. Uh, Jimmy Noble, like you say, has always been. He's a chameleon in the ring, like you say. He's he's a redneck. He's a he's a ninja. He, you know, <laughs> he, he can take on any role. Yeah, change he's a security, a, he's role, a security guard. Yes, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> Andre, what did you think yourself? Okay, um, at this point, I was only in America for about a year, so I still wasn't really familiar <laughs> with like the redneck culture and all that. So back then, I wasn't a big fan of Jamie Noble, but now watching him, I think he's hilarious <laughs> with the whole redneck persona and the mm-hmm. whole white trash couple. Because I think they had some segments where. Um, after Jamie Noble won the cruiserweight belt, they were celebrating because they were finally able to afford a trailer or something like that. I believe that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think that kind of stuff, I mean, it's offensive, I guess, to some people, but it's hilarious. Uh, But Tajiri, I always like Tajiri. Uh, He's not one of those high-flying cruiserweights, but he still does some really impressive things with his... uh, the the handstand Mm -hmm. springboard thing. I, I love that stuff. And... The whole kissing segment at the end I thought was hilarious too, so thumbs up yeah. for me. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Tajiri, I mean, he started in the WWF with uh, William Regal as uh, Regal's assistant, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I remember that uh, Regal didn't know anything about Tajiri, so like he basically just like, you know, he just treated him as like, a, he didn't treat him like a wrestler, so when Tajiri finally got in the ring um, and had a match with somebody like, I think it was Crash Holly possibly and Tajiri started doing those striking kicks William Regal had the best facial expressions ever because he was like holy shit, this guy's a killer <laughs> and at that time, I mean no one was really doing these kicks, I mean Tajiri got a lot of um, fans at this time because no one was doing these these you know, as you would might call them today, like Daniel Bryan kicks or, yeah. you know, these stiff soccer kicks, so yeah, he was in the league of his own at the time. Only one that comes to mind would probably Ultimo Dragon Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely um, that's a good call um, So, to the back Come on, mate! 
Well, you want to know, nephew Chavo is getting his ass handed to him by Kurt Angle right now. So what are you talking about, Holmes? Hey, just thought you'd want to know. What do you mean? Where's he at? Just letting you know. Where's he at? Put down this hallway. What do you mean, man? Where's he at? We're here. Keep going. What, in here? Chris Benoit is looking for Eddie Guerrero, banging on doors and yelling. Eddie is told by Benoit that uh, Angle is beating up Chavo, so black-eyed Eddie runs off to find him. He comes to a door with someone yelling behind it, but he doesn't believe Benoit, and he thinks it's a trap, saying that he thinks it's a little girl's voice and yelling uh, and yell and yelling at that. Um, Metal Boy will beat him up if he goes in there, um, but. Uh, he, so he doesn't uh, he doesn't think it's, it's real or anything and uh, Chavo comes flying out as Benoit laughs at the shell shock Guerrero um, but before Eddie grabs Angle um, who comes out after uh, Chavo uh, security rush in to stop him uh, while Angle and Benoit have a good old chuckle walking off uh, I thought this was great and Benoit and Angle at this time were just such a great fit as a tag team and of course we'll be seeing them later but uh, did you guys enjoy this little skit this little small skit Fuck yeah, it was uh, it was very good. Like, but I can say like Eddie's either really strung out at this stage, or is really good at playing someone who's really strung out. He he <laughs> he looked he looked like he'd been through like I can't think of the 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 word. He just looked like he'd he'd been through the the wars. He was. Mm-hmm. But there, there was no real. He, he didn't have. I'm trying to see. Like he didn't have a match on heat or anything. There was nothing no. up before that, but he he did look like he had been in a match. Yeah, well, this is I'll I'll mention it later. They were doing um, a tag team tournament at the time, so the the match tonight was the culmination of that tag team tournament. But uh, mm-hmm. I'll I'll break down the competitors and the brackets later and uh, mm-hmm. explain perhaps a little bit more. But you're just right; he was completely wrecked at the stage, and uh, in typical Eddie fashion. He just went all out and just kept kept wrestling, um, and that's uh, that's probably I, one of the biggest things you could say about Eddie is he just didn't know when to stop. Yeah, I think Ed, Eddie was comedy gold. Everything yeah. he did, I thought. Oh, I 
I just I'm in tears <laughs> watching it because it's so funny. One thing I don't understand is why are the Guerreros both in their wrestling attires if they have no match? Yeah. Well, sure, it's like anything today. You know, when somebody wants to make a point, they come out in their wrestling pants. You know, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I just uh, recalling the the most recent thing. I don't know if you saw. I posted up onto YouTube uh, Wolfgang making his debut at. Um, progress chapter 55 yes and uh, it was over in england uh, andre it's a U- uk mm-hmm. um, wrestling promotion and uh, he made his uh, debut against uh, walter jr and uh, came out and uh, he was wearing his wrestling gear but uh, he wasn't wrestling that night oh. <laughs> so it's a it's a trend that stayed for years and just doesn't seem to have gone anywhere but uh, there you go now before we get into any more matches first for the first time in my life I'm happy. It is pain! It is pain! It's here! My God! The Big Red Machine is back! Kane is back! Kane is strong! Freaks are cool! I know that I can do it. Kane, you said... For the first time in my life, I'm happy. Let me ask you a question, Kane. How happy is Katie Thick? Katie Thick was a friend of mine. Ten years ago? It was an accident. You killed her. I didn't kill her. You are a murderer. We went to a party and Katie had too much to drink so i decided that i should drive her home you were drinking too kane it was dark the road was slick and uh animal jumped right out in front of us there were empty beer cans in the car katie was killed instantly but it was an accident you killed katie thick i'm sorry kane might be able to take the life of a sweet girl like katie thick but he will never be able to take my title. Triple H is a, he's acting like a very desperate man. Does Triple H have a heart or a soul? You, you think I want to get in the ring with a murderer? Murderer? The Intercontinental Champion Kane is back! And he wants some of Triple H! Oh. And the Red Machine! Imposing his will! Triple H! Cutting back to the arena, JR and the King run down the Kane and Triple H feud, cutting to a video package of the past few weeks with the uh, obvious omission of the Kitty Vic rape angle that uh, Triple H brought up mm. and uh, some of the more controversial stuff. Don't worry, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Kane is out <laughs> first, wearing his Intercontinental Championship, followed by the World Heavyweight Champion Triple H. Um, it's your 
typical Triple H match for the time. All sorts of uh, you know spots you'd expect from spinebusters to high knees, neck breakers. Um, and it's not to say it's a bad match. It's just a very formulaic match. Uh, I th- I felt anyway. Um, things don't really spice up until Ric Flair appears, um, running in and uh, Earl Hebner getting knocked out. There's a belt shop, belt, belt shop. There's a belt shot to Kane, giving Hunter a near fall, but the Hurricane runs in to take out Flair. Triple H nails him with a pedigree, but Kane recovers after he gets back in the ring. The crowd were all behind Kane throughout the match, but were really popping towards the end, um, with Kane accidentally giving uh, Hebner a big boot. <laughs> Triple H and Kane head to the outside where Kane chokeslams him through the Spanish announce table. Uh, Flair, now back up, tries to attack Kane from behind but gets nailed for his trouble. Kane gets Hunter back in the ring but uh, Flair back up again, runs back in with a sledgehammer but Kane stopped him, giving Flair a big boot. Hunter stirs but Kane's uh, got the sledgehammer. Unfortunately for Kane, he basically telegraphs his intentions by holding the sledgehammer over his head just going (laughs) Hunter Hunter basically gives him a cheeky toe to the dick Um, (laughs) he he grabs the sledgehammer but runs into the uh, tombstone attempt by Kane but while Kane is him upside down Hunter nails Kane in the abdomen with the hammer Kane gets up while the two recover and hits Triple H with a chokeslam Flair takes out a second ref who runs in to count but uh, he too is chokeslammed in the ring after jumping off the top uh, rope in one of our favourite spots. It was a top rope nothing. And <laughs> Hunter runs Kane into the corner with JR as quick as a whip to point out that the shot he took moments ago with the hammer um, was basically, it was adding in, add that the shot into the corner was basically adding injury um, to the, you know, the sledgehammer shot. Um, so as Kane staggers out of the corner, Hunter lands a pedigree for the win in 16 minutes and 13 seconds. As I said at the start, it wasn't a bad match. It was quite slow to start off. Um, Just a typical back-and-forth Triple H match. Um, It was pretty much what you'd expect if you've seen the two competitors wrestle before. Um, And I know we usually harp on about run-ins and like overbooking, especially like WCW and things like that, but I actually really enjoyed the end of this one. Um, Kane kept coming back from the brink up until the last pedigree, and I felt like... It just felt like he was a threat overall, um, so I quite enjoyed it. Um, what did you guys think, uh, Andy? I thought this match was fantastic from beginning to end. Usually, <laughs> when you see the two big heavyweights in the the ring, it's going to be a, a, a slow affair. But I thought it, it was well paced. Uh, Kane at this time was sort of his supernatural uh, persona. Still, he, he he is now talking and things like that, but he still had the you know the inhuman ability to sit up as did uh, with with uh, zombie taker back in the day but mm-hmm. i think kane always used it slightly better and um the the shots he was taking just keeps getting back up and yeah the run-ins i thought um were well placed um i didn't mind them at all when once flair made an appearance you kind of saw that one coming and then hurricane out of nowhere for a wee bit i yeah but i really enjoyed that match uh, at this point, I was a huge Kane fan uh, because this was my like my first introduction to him because I didn't watch the WWF back in the day. Um, when I started watching WWE, this is how I was introduced to him, and uh, I just thought he was the most badass guy ever. And I really enjoyed him getting a push, and he was the tag team champion, the IC champion, and he he was almost holding all three titles at the same time at this point. Uh, even though he kind of lost all of them very quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, 
sad that he lost, but this was during the Triple H reign of terror where he just beat everybody. Yeah, mm. he's not losing to anyone. <laughs> um, but not to worry, though, because, uh, you know, Triple H was in, was involved in... Uh, he was one half of the world's uh, worst storyline, uh, which brings us to now. So before we head backstage, we need to fast forward a smidgen to tomorrow night, so October 21st, 2002. So, again, Raw opens and Triple H was out of the gates to continue to dig at Kane. Um, a video clip was shown of Triple H wearing a mask, posing as the big red machine at Katie Vick's funeral. Oh, air quotes. So, while the body of Katie, air quotes again, <laughs> lay in the casket, Triple H, Kane, sorry, uh, started touching it. First apologizing and then seemingly beginning to get aroused. And in one of the worst ideas, which is hard to believe because <laughs> obviously I mentioned earlier that uh, them mentioning that Kane may have raped a dead body uh, was pretty much one of the worst ideas. Then they came up with an even worse idea. Um, he went on to have sex with it. To which Jerry Lawler excitedly shouts, wait for me. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He my didn't turn, say that. My turn, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry and JR lambasted Triple H saying, what was once a great sport was now turning into garbage, and I can't say they're wrong. Uh, the main event of the night saw Kane and RVD battling it out with Triple H and Ric Flair. Kane went straight after Hunter, and the show ended with Kane stuffing Triple H into the trunk of his rental car and leaving with the final words of... Now I'm going to screw you. Oh, God. <laughs> Kane peeled away as the show left the air. Wanted, Katie. Tell me how bad you want it. Tell me. Yes. I hope that was as good for you as it was for me. What's that? I did? You're kidding me. I really did? I did? Oh my god. I did. I really did it. I really did. I screwed your brains out! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a sick freak! (laughs) The following week, October 28th, at this stage, I'm pretty much sure you can guess, but this angle was not exactly met well by anyone watching and was starting to die down in the actual storyline as well, pretty much for that reason, mm. uh, with a, a different feud beginning, which was uh, Triple H developing a feud with Shawn Michaels. Uh, but of course, the Katie Vick story had to be buried first. So, Triple H again kicked off Raw by first addressing the video of Kane in air quotes, shagging a dead body, (laughs) saying that some people have sworn to never watch Raw ever again. 
Uh, he then brought out an artificial body of Katie from inside a casket and let the comedy begin. <laughs> <laughs> he basically cuts a one-man stage show about Kane and his burnt little wiener and how dead tired she must be. <laughs> so he's basically pretending that this dummy is Katie Vick. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he keeps bringing up how people were really offended and that he doesn't really care, which is so apparent because he just did not give a fuck in this segment. It was unreal. Um Kane's old tag partner came out to stop the stage show and to let the world view the other video in this crappy angle, the Enema film. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Hurricane directed Triple H's attention to the Titantron, where we see someone wearing a Triple H mask, which is basically just like a, it's like a cardboard mask. You know those really cheap masks? With a big nose? No, it was just flat. Oh. It was just literally a print <laughs> of Triple H's uh, face. That's not realistic um, at all. <laughs> so he's uh, he's the Triple H is lying chest first on an operating table in a hospital, having items removed from his ass, which I also ca- <laughs> which also came with squelching and farting noises. And the mask was uh, basically when the camera would move on to what was happening behind, they would change the mask so it would be different expressions <laughs> from like Triple H's face. Um, and as the surgeons go, like it's sort of like a. It, they're basically going, you can do it, you can do it. Um, it's pretty awful, but it's sort of like a really grotesque version of the Generation game. <laughs> <laughs> or as we're going we're gonna to call it for our first ever game show segment and weird tribute to Bruce Forsyth, the Degeneration game. Oh, God. <laughs> And I want to play the game with you Life can be terribly tame If you don't play the game with two And I want to play the game with you Oh, what a fantastic audience. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. To see you. Nice. <laughs> Lovely. Let's meet today's contestants. First up, all the way from Washington State, US of A, it's Andre Wakefield. And joining oh. him from down the road, from me, it's Andy McKinney. So, lads, each of you will have to guess at the list of seven items they pulled from Hunter's ass, with the winner being the person who can name the most or putting them in the order as they come out. On the line today is a very special prize, the first and last ever Kitty Vic trophy. <laughs> and what a beauty it is, freshly dug up this morning. <laughs> Contestants, are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll start with Andre. Nice to see you, to see you nice. So what's your first guess for item number one? Don't worry if you get them wrong, it's all a bit of fun. Sledgehammer. Ding. <laughs> number two. <laughs> I have to keep going? Yeah, um, seven items. <laughs> a giant nose. <laughs> Your third item? Uh, Ric Flair's robe. <laughs> okay, your fourth? <laughs> oh, God, I have to think. Um, um, I don't know. I'm going to have to rush you. <laughs> And the world heavyweight belt. Okay, fifth. Uh, 
The DX glow sticks. Six. <laughs> uh, Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, please. Um. Um. The sausage. <laughs> okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. And Andy, <laughs> over to you. Right. Okay. Your first item, please. So we'll go with the, giveaway. We'll go with the sledgehammer. Ding. Um, Number two. A kendo stick. Okay. Um, <laughs> Number three. Well, it was around this time that they were all into their anal loop, so I will go with a bucket of Astroglide. What the hell's that? <laughs> it was like um, Edge and Christianville and uh, Angle just to use it years ago. Well, not not use it, not not use it. But it was they they uh, they kept bringing it up for like promos and stuff. It was like Astroglide. Is it the ass cream? <laughs> yeah, it was like a, a loop. Jesus. <laughs> um, number four, I think we're up to. <laughs> I've lost what you have thought. Um, uh, yeah, we'll go with the, a championship belt. Okay. <laughs> Just start naming off five, six, and seven. Uh, what have we got? Uh, let's see. Um, a wig. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, what else could we do? Anything. Oh my god. Anything at all. Uh, let's see. Uh, a bowling ball. Okay. So good. And your last, your last guess, please. <laughs> a TV camera. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, um, I can safely say that uh, you're tied, both of you. Oh. Um, At one, <laughs> our winner, <laughs> our winner is no one. <laughs> it's uh, a no contest. It's a no contest. So the order it ran in and the actual items that came out of uh, Triple H's ass were number one, a sledgehammer. So you both got that right. Yay. Number two, bunting or stream of ribbons. Oh, <laughs> what? I got that. Number three <laughs> was a hand. <laughs> oh, May Young. Yeah, so basically Mae Young's child ended up in Triple H's ass. Number four was a squirrel. What? <laughs> I don't know. Number five was a gear shift. Or uh, I think we... What do we call it over here, Andy? It's just a gear, a gear lever or gear knob. Yeah, the gear knob. Uh, and uh, number six was a steering wheel. So there was a little bit of a car up his ass for some reason. Um, and then finally was Triple H's head. Oh, damn, do you know I had that in my head and I was, I was going to say it and I thought it was too ridiculous? Yeah, it was a rubber mask of him, so uh, Wait, thanks. Wait, did, didn't I say Triple H's nose? You said nose, but uh, it's not close oh, enough. It's not quite it. a head. <laughs> not quite a head, I'm afraid. Because uh, I was thinking Triple H's nose, but I just said nosed. But whatever. <laughs> well, thanks for playing and our, st- our studio audience for taking part. Safe home, everybody. We'll see you in the next time for another round of The Degeneration Game. <laughs> And I wanna play the game with you. Lie can be terribly tame if you don't play the game with two. And I wanna play the game with you. Even though it's clearly not Triple H, uh, he flips out and beats up the mannequin of Katie Vick, hitting it with a chair, launching it to the outside of the ring where the wig falls off and it reveals himself itself to almost be a mannequin of Vince McMahon, which is really weird. It's like this short-haired male mannequin. It's so weird. Uh, Kane, incensed 
at Triple H taking the piss or beating up the mannequin, one or the other, runs down and the two have a brawl with jobber security. Um, along with that, I should say, along with the jobber security, Eric Bischoff and jobber wrestlers run out to stop them. Kane and Triple H would go on in the night to have a casket match after Eric separates them as the uh, main event. So with the finish of the match of that being Shawn Michaels taking out Triple H with a sweet chin music to Triple H, allowing Kane to follow it up by shoving Triple H down into the casket and slamming the lid shut. The show finishes with Sean climbing atop the casket to showboat and to shake his ass, pretty much. So that is <laughs> that is the finish of the Katie Vick storyline. It ends in a casket match, pretty much, uh, buried along with the uh, the rest of the uh, the shitty segments from this one. Uh, so there you go, guys. A bit of a retrospective look at uh, Katie Vick and uh, trying to make it a little bit more lighter than it actually is because it's really awkward to watch this. I watched both Raws before and after this pay-per-view so i watched quite a lot of wrestling and the the, while the shows themselves were good it was sort of like this stamp rubber stamp of shit in the middle of each show or at the start of each show so uh if you want to see some uh actual cringeworthy television uh do do yourselves a a favor listeners and uh, and check that one out you know one thing i want to say very quick is triple h said that china can't be in the hall of fame well he implied Mm -hmm. that she will not be in the hall of fame because his kids can go google her and find some stuff but this i wouldn't say that he's any better i mean i know this is fake but still i think it's yeah. very bad taste Absolutely. i think that um i think their, their view in china is softening obviously with her passing um i could see her going into the hall of fame i think she you know wholeheartedly deserves it um for what she gave to the uh, women's division in the you know the late 90s and early 2000s but mm. um anyway to the back. Yeah, come in. Stephanie, you wanted to talk to me? <sighs> Tracy, hi. Listen, Mom. I know I kicked you out of the arena last week, but... <sighs> okay, woman to woman. I understand about relationships. I mean, I was just watching my ex-husband. And I realized why you must have kept, you know... All of this, all of these secrets about The Undertaker quiet for so long, because... Isn't it because you really love him? Love him? No, I don't love him. Right? I can't even stand the ground that bastard walks on. Well, even still, you have, you have to care an awful lot about someone to feel that strongly. You know, Stephanie... I was content with just letting all of this go, just going on with my life. And then out of nowhere, I get this call from Paul Heyman. Now, I don't know how he knew about me and Mark, but he knew. So, what you're really trying to tell me is, and and this is okay, okay, as far as I'm concerned, is that you did have a relationship with The Undertaker, but it was in the past. And all of this stuff about sleeping with The Undertaker 10 days ago and recently having an affair, I mean, that was all a lie. Paul Heyman put you up to telling all that as a lie, right? Okay, confidentially, between you and I. Yes, it was all a lie. Paul Heyman put me up to it, and once he started rolling with the story, I just went along with it. 
I mean, I do. I want Mark back. And I don't care about some pregnant wife, Sarah. I'll say whatever it has to, whatever has to be said, okay? I am going to get Mark back. Confidential. You're a lying bitch. Good stuff. Oh, you want. Well, I happen to agree with the Undertaker, Tracy, and uh, I think you've told your last lie around here. Get the hell out. Now. Stephanie is backstage watching the last match when someone knocks on the door. In walks Tracy. Stephanie apologises for chucking her off Raw last week and says she understands weird relationships as she's just watched her ex-husband on TV. Obviously, the two had sort of, you know, kayfabe split at the time, but there you go. Stephanie tries to lead Tracy by saying that uh, she must have feelings for The Undertaker to be calling him out, but Tracy says she hits the ground that bastard walks on. Steph then gets Tracy to admit that the relationship was a long time ago and that Paul Heyman set the whole thing up uh, with (laughs) one of the most hilarious lines of the night where Tracy says, just between you and me, ignoring the cameraman. (laughs) I know, I was thinking that too. (laughs) An arena full of fans making noise. uh, And the fact that this is a fucking television show that she's on, um, she admits and explains everything, saying that she wants Mark back and that she will say anything. Steph looks up, and as if magic, the Undertaker appears from behind the door of the room, calling Tracy a lying bitch. He was under the floor, he just crept out of somewhere. Um, He walks off, thanking Steph, before she turns to Tracy, telling her to get out. And that pretty much seals the the deal for that angle, but uh, maybe a little bit more information on that uh, later. But Michael Cole pretty much sums this one up, saying, It's just like a soap opera! Yeah. You're, yeah, you're not wrong there Cole a daytime one uh, Cole runs down the next match which spawned from a tag team tournament for the newly created Smackdown Tag Team Championships starting tonight a tag team tournament 6-1-9 Spear for these WWE tag team titles
the Guerreros versus Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit at stake. A shot at Edge and Rey Mysterio. Oh, around the WWE Tag Team Champion at no mercy. Oh, look at that. The referee knocked down. The ankle lock is locked in. The ankle lock locked in. The Guerrero's tapping. No ref. No ref. Chavo's got a chair. The Chris Benoit. Benoit. Steel chair in hand. Oh, man. Oh, oh. no. Kurt, look out. Benoit's going to get suspended. Wait a minute. We get a video package for the tournament leading up to this point, which for a bit of fun, the brackets or matches and teams were. Um, in the quarterfinals, it was uh, Los Guerreros beating Mark Henry and Rikishi, Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle beating Billy Kidman and John Cena, they are, Devon and Ron Simmons beating Billy and Chuck, Edge and Rey Mysterio beating Brock Lesnar and Tajiri, which I don't think Brock actually turned up for the match. I'm pretty yeah. sure I don't, don't recall either- him being in it. I think he showed up and beat up Tajiri or something like that, <laughs> but he didn't want those dang tag belts. No, no. no. Uh, the semifinals after that were Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle going over Los Guerreros, um, so that might explain why Eddie was so battered, is because he was in the match of both Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle at the time, and obviously Eddie's style is... I'm going to work really hard, even though it's Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then after that, we had Edge and Rey Mysterio pinning Devon and Ron Simmons, meaning our final uh, tonight is between Edge and Rey Mysterio taking on Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle. So from our package, we see Stephanie telling Angle and Benoit if they, if they can't get along, that they'd be suspended without pay. And as a payoff for an earlier skit tonight, we see Benoit falling prey to the same tactic they used on Chavo and Eddie earlier, mm-hmm. by being jumped by Eddie in a dark room a few weeks back. So that sort of it didn't make any sense if you haven't watched the if you watched the earlier oh, skit yeah. at the time. I was like, what is this about? What's going on? Yeah. But it makes sense, perfect sense. Which at this stage, which is great that they tied it back in. Back to the arena, Benoit and Angle make their separate entrances first, and. I have to say, like, I was super excited for this one. You know, with the caliber of the people involved in this match, um, I was just all over this. So, Ray's out next, followed by Edge, who still has his awesome Rob Zombie theme on the mm-hmm. network, which was yeah. sort of surprising to hear, but uh, it just gave him this full rock star entrance, which looked awesome. Uh, Angle and Mysterio start with Angle giving the best smug looks ever even beating Roman Reigns uh, due to the size of Mysterio to start um, so he takes him down really quick slaps the shit out of him to the back of Ray's head uh, hurls abuse at him um, to tag Edge in uh, which Cole reminds us is their old feud where Edge like shaved Kurt's head bald which is yeah, pretty good yeah. it was nice of Michael Cole to tie that one back in uh, Ray refuses to tag out and begins his great quick lucha offense to frustrate Angle, and then he gets uh, a come up, he gets a one up on Angle by slapping the shit out of Angle's uh, head in the back, and then sort of runs off to get away from him. It was a pretty cool spot. Edge is tagged in and gets the offense on Angle, so Angle tags Benoit in, and uh, we get a great showcase from both men as they go back and forth. Edge was pretty much on point uh, at this time and in this match and needless to say both Angle and Benoit were too I mean this was just a pure wrestling clinic I think and uh, 
I think the team of Angle and Benoit could be one of the best naturally gifted tag teams of all time um, in terms of two people who are not a tag team per se, but grouped together out of just like necessity. The two of them just fit perfectly and they worked so well with their smash mouth style. It's just, it's absolutely amazing to see these two in the ring. Um, And also in this match, I think it would be unfair not to mention Michael Cole and Taz and commentary a bit more. Um, mm. These two were clearly like headhunting in this one with the energy, you know, the calls and the effort that they put into the match. No, uh, I gotta say, I, I always loved Taz's commentary, at least in the WWE. I don't know about his TNA stuff, but in <laughs> WWE, he always sounded like excited and he always had like these uh, hip, I guess you could say, references that I always got. So I really liked his commentary. He he did yeah. come off with a, a corker during this match. Uh, they obviously they kept going back to the possible suspension if Kurt and Chris Benoit didn't get along. And uh, I've just written it down that, that Taz came up with, "Well, if I didn't get paid, I wouldn't come to work." Yeah. <laughs> like, well, no. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it's yeah, it's so good. Um, it it does definitely add to the match overall. I think there are a few comments by Taz, but the finish of the match is some of the finest sequences I oh, think yeah. you'll ever see. Um, with spears, a power bomb into a moonsault, it was just pure action galore. The finish itself sees Edge tapping out to the ankle lock in twenty two minutes and three seconds, which is a long time for a tag team match when you look at today's uh you know today's product but uh Taz summed it up perfectly calling it phenomenal. Um, what yeah. did you I mean needless to say Mike's enthusiasm for the match I think speaks for itself but what did you think uh, guys Andre? I thought it was great. I loved the whole tag team scene back then on SmackDown with with these guys and the Guerreros. Uh I forgot what they called them but like the something the 6, the SmackDown 6 or something like that. Yes, that's but, right, yeah. Like both of these teams, they're kind of just like four singles guys grouped together, but I feel like they fit so well. Even, like you said, Benoit and Angle are a great team, but I think Edge and Ray, both of them are really cool guys, and just as a team, they just I remember just loving them. And one of my all-time biggest Marquette moments ever as a wrestling fan was a few weeks after this, when uh, Edge and Ray finally got the titles on SmackDown, I think. I remember mm. I jumped out of my seat and I was like mm. screaming with joy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's a nice one, yeah. right? <laughs> but this is definitely my match of the night. Well, okay, not definitely, mm, but okay. it, it, it's, a, it's a very high contender for match of the night for me. Awesome. Yeah, Andy, I, what about yourself? Well, I, I certainly scored uh, this one high. I, the, I was addicted to the, the match the, the entire way through. And as it went on, it just seemed to keep getting better and better. There was like towards the end, Ray was just getting used as like a human weapon, like the um, the sort of the the double team Hurricane Rana off the top rope was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And then uh, what else? He got thrown into a power bomb and half a dozen other things. It was absolutely brilliant to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't think there was really any missed spots in this match. It was just. Pure action the whole way through, pretty much. Yeah, and like you say, Angle and Benoit worked brilliantly together. They were just pure aggression, and yeah, the only way to counter that was Ray's quickness. Yeah. So, to the back. Come on, what are you waiting on? This is unethical. I'm not supposed to be 
giving you anything like this. Yeah, I understand that, Larry. But let me explain something to you. Without that shot, I ain't gonna make it through hell in the cell, man. So either you give me the shot, or I'm gonna take that needle and I'm gonna give it to myself. Come on, man. Undertaker is sitting on a bench with an apparent doctor or, uh, I don't know, trainer uh, holding a syringe, telling him that what he's asking for is unethical. Taker says, listen, Larry, <laughs> unless you give me that shot, I ain't going to make it through hell in the cell. Larry, buckling to peer pressure, obliges by injecting Taker's cast. (laughs) (laughs) If you watch it really closely, like his hands like shaking, and he doesn't, he just stops before he gets to the hand. But it looks like he's injecting the cast. Uh, Very funny. Um, Before we get to our main event, it's women's wrestling time between champion Trish Stratus and challenger, who is apparently premenstrual, according to Jr. (laughs) Victoria. (laughs) I don't really know what that means I don't because think she's are... always pissed off yeah. i guess that was his that was yeah, his th- thing i think it's not just he should just say menstrual he says pre-menstrual i'm not sure if that's right um, i could be wrong i'm not i'm, I'm not gonna comment <laughs> just in case i get a cover in the ear time to get a woman on our show guys <laughs> Um, once again, we see a fairly great match by Trish, uh, not discounting Victoria, who was also great, but the crowd sullying the mood early with We Want Poppy's Chance, uh, along with the ringleader himself, Jerry Lawler. Yeah. The finish saw a stratisfaction attempt, followed by a roll-up by Trish on Victoria in 5 minutes and 31 seconds. I thought it was a great match, given the limits in the time and the lack of serious attention given to it, but uh, do you guys have any thoughts, Andy, or start yourself, if you've anything at all? Yeah, it was a a good match. I don't know what happened at the end. Was that just a missed spot? Does it look like the uh, certainly had the setup for the the bulldog, and then yeah, just decided to to go for the roll up in the end. I think so. There, there seemed to be something anyway. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could be you know because Victoria was coming off pretty strong in the match, so maybe it was a sort of a quick win and the you know yeah, the last stage. Up. Trish being a bit of a veteran, I suppose, by a couple of years, perhaps. But that's it. I don't really remember Victoria too much. Um, I'm not entirely sure where uh, where she came from or what her story was. But um, yeah, Trish is always always good to watch, and I think you're you're right that once again, as soon as the match started, there was just the the chant for puppies and King's remarks, and it was like it it does take a lot away from it, even though this was a decent match. Yeah. Andre, any thoughts on it? Well, I think it was a good contrast to the previous women's match that we saw on the show, as that one was just like sex appeal. This one was more about mm. actual wrestling. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah. To the world. And we understand Rikishi Jr. is live uh, at the world. Everybody having a lot of fun at the world in New York. And Rikishi, I have to ask you. How did the Hell in a Cell matchup at Armageddon change your life? Well, you know, Michael, just sitting here watching that video, sends chills up my spine. You know, that match there could have really ended my career and should have. But, you know, this is one match that I'll never, ever forget in my career. This, make no mistake, the Hell in a Cell 
is no joke. Rikishi, tonight it's The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. I'd like to uh, see uh, what your prediction is for tonight's Hell in a Cell match. Well, without a doubt, you know, the man makes people famous. This man here, this is his match. The Taker, Undertaker, I got to go with the, the dead man because this match is his match, and he knows all about this match. Brock Lesnar, I only pray for you tonight that what happened to me doesn't happen to you.
we cut to WWE New York to see good guy Rikishi giving his thoughts on the Hell in a Cell match and tonight's main event followed by a great video package explaining why The Undertaker has a cast on. As Stephanie says, The Undertaker's hand is broken. You know you know what I, th- I think is funny is how Rikishi had like a leather suit. I've never seen anything like that. I thought it was just a jacket <laughs> he was wearing. Yeah, but it it was like a blazer, I think. Oh, cool. Like a suit blazer, but it was leather. I've never seen that before. Nice. I think you'll find it was uh, pleather. It was... uh, Yeah, probably. 20% leather. 80% (laughs) fake. Yeah. It had that bin bag quality about it. Uh, The WWE champion Brock Lesnar is out first, along with Paul Heyman. Cole says that Brock chose to come in first, citing that it would be, it could be down to mind games or an advantage as to why he would do that, which I thought was awesome. And bong! No, it's not the Jung, Jung Dragons, but uh, <laughs> you've done it now! <laughs> you've gone and made an awful song. Yeah, it was. Uh, Taker Sands Bike strolls down to the ring next to get our main event underway. So... There's lots of cast shots uh, to get this one going with the Undertaker utilizing the uh, the cast, much like Lex Luger would have uh, utilized the uh, titanium forearm or steel beamed forearm, whatever he called it back in oh, the day. Yeah. Um, with uh, lots of back and forth to start this one, uh, you know the tail quickly becoming that of the cast being a serious weapon in this one. Brock gets busted open after working over the Undertaker's broken hand, and then spends a while thrown around the ringside walls. There's a weird segment where like Taker lands his like apron leg drop and then he goes to the top rope to do like another one, but instead does this weird looking knee drop thing, which the camera pretty much misses. So yeah. you, you've no idea like what he did. It looks like he just fell over for no reason. That's what it looked like. Yeah, possibly just slipped or something. Uh, there's a great spot where Heyman is grabbed through the cage by the tie by a Taker who rams him into the cage towards him by like just smacking him over and over again and this busts Heyman over open. Oh, oh god, um, he was bleeding. I've he seen, was like a stuck pig. He was pissing everywhere, yeah. I said it before, clip-on ties. Yeah, they don't learn, Andy. They're they don't learn. Listen. They're not listening to us, you know. <laughs> uh, Heyman was great in this one. He was just like hurling abuse and screaming during during the match. And uh, there was a great spot where Heyman has a belt around Taker's cast, pulling mm. his arm against the cage, while Brock is just smashing the shit out of Taker's hand with a steel chair. And this is pretty much how Taker's cast gets ripped off eventually. So. Brock rips the cast off while Heyman growls, Rip that cast off, that son of a bitch! <laughs> um, Brock at one stage uses the ceiling to swing boots into Tigger's face, which oh, I thought was, was really good. unique for the time. Yeah, uh, Certainly a spot I don't think I've ever seen before, and they can't do it now because the ceiling's too high. But That's true. Uh, Something else we don't see too often is a top rope elbow by Taker, who launches from the middle of the ri- uh, from the middle of the ring. So he like walks along the ropes and then does an awesome elbow drop. Yeah, uh, that well, was cool. It's not awesome, but it, it it's impressive to see the big man doing it. Um, he delivers a big boot, sending Lesnar from the ring into the cell wall, but then makes a mistake by going for a suicide dive, which misses completely. Um, which Taz even calls out, which was I thought was great that he wasn't going to let well, Taker away with it. Yeah, I think he was supposed to hit it, but he missed like by accident. Yeah, I think that it. In one hand, it looked cool because both of them just sold exhaustion at that point because Lesnar yeah. was just he was sweating like a you know how Lesnar sweats even to this day. It's like he just looks like he's emptying all of the water from his body out of his pores. <laughs> yeah, um, Taker's 
bust open from a stair shot from Brock, which oh. Taker seemed to cut slightly too deep as the blood was pissing from his head. Oh, he was That punctured. reminded me of, like, Eddie Guerrero when he almost yes. was bad. JBL, Eddie Guerrero. This mm. was not on par quite, but it was certainly not far off it. Um, both men getting back into the ring. Brock rocks Taker from post to post, and you get to see Lesnar's hand covered in Taker's blood. Um, at one stage, the cameraman had a dollop of blood on his mm, lens, right. which was just it was so grim. Um, there's a near fall from a last ride by Taker, but Brock grabs the bottom rope, which I thought was uh, which I was a bit confused by. I was like, I thought there was like no DQ in a Hell in a Cell match. I didn't know you could. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that either. That seemed really random. I think it yeah. still counts as a a, a break on a, a pin, though. It's just no break on the, uh, the I, yeah, submission because holds. I guess yeah because I guess it quote unquote means that you're not fully in the ring. Yeah, and uh-huh. you have to be in the ring. But Taker got a count on Lesnar earlier on the outside of the ring. Yeah, I don't think that's correct. Right? Oh, <laughs> I yeah, am pretty yeah. sure that Hell in a Cell ha- the the decision has to be within the confines of the ring i think that's what it was in the games yeah it's only <laughs> and, a, and the, it's only a hard in the games match. you can pin on top of the cell could you okay so oh, yeah no. uh it's a weird one russo um, <laughs> russo <laughs> or mcmahon <laughs> uh taker attempts a tombstone but brock demonstrates that crazy strength by reversing and then throwing Taker into the F5 for the win and pin in 27 minutes and 18 seconds. Um, It's a relatively simple match, Mm -hmm. but it was well told and executed. Um, What did you guys think? Uh, Andre, start yourself. This is what a Hell in a Cell should be like, I think. <laughs> we need blood, we need violence. I know it's dangerous, but that's why you shouldn't be doing three Hell in a Cells a night like they do now, just mm. because it's that time of the year, you know. I feel like Hell in a Cell should be reserved for those like these guys are really wanna wanting to kill each other. Let's put them in this cage and let them do it. Um There's so much blood. I don't I don't remember seeing so much blood on a wrestling show before. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of hard to watch, to be honest. Like I'm not really squeamish or anything, but when it's when it's like real, it, it's crazy to me. It's it's pretty disturbing, and um, it, it, like a lot of people, they kind of forget that Brock Lesnar is like five and one against the Undertaker. <laughs> so so when they had that Hell in a Cell match, I think two years ago, I, I had flashbacks to this one, and I I think this one is a lot better than what they had yeah. two years ago. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. And I, um, I think this this match just continued to make Lesnar into a, a superstar. He looked really good in it. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, he looked like an absolute killer. Um, and I, yeah, you're right saying there, there was a lot of blood. Uh, the camera at one stage, you know, obviously they, they don't do it now, um, bar perhaps Cesaro's recent little... Uh, accident at no mercy 2017 but um, <laughs> yeah they don't really focus on injuries anymore but back then the cameraman pretty much zooms into taker's face as he's like lying on the f- on the floor and he like tries to get up with his hands and the blood is basically just like it's like a tap has been turned on and the blood is pissing out he's probably done something like you know i think we've mentioned it before that the old wrestler trick which is take paracetamol or you know take a 
quarter of whiskey or something yeah. Yeah. thin your blood so you get more you get more bang for your buck but it's um it's a scary amount of blood to be coming out of a man of his age at that time but, uh, that's, well, uh, that's even, even Heyman man he wasn't even in the match and he yes probably lost a couple pounds <laughs> from bleeding <laughs> and there's nothing more unsettling to see two or more men bleeding together in the same ring with blood oh. probably getting into each other's cuts you could imagine uh, it's it's, oh, it's uncomfortable I, to say the least. There at, was, at one point, I remember uh, Taker's blood was just pouring on Lesnar's face. Yes, and his mouth was oh open. Oh yeah, yeah. Andy, uh, what did you think of yourself this match? I, I love the match. I'll, uh, I will agree that um, yeah, maybe a bit too much blood, but I suppose with this kind of thing, you can't really you can't control it. If you cut too deep, then you just gotta you just gotta deal with that. But uh, I think the three guys in this match were absolutely brilliant. You've got the the two in the cell, and Heyman played it so well outside. You could constantly hear him yelling encouragement, insults, all the rest of it, and getting involved with, like, even just sticking the arm through the the cell, that comic (laughs) moment where he's just swinging at Undertaker. Uh, I thought that was excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the the match. It was a great way to to end it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that brings us on to the uh, I suppose our MVPs and matches of the night. Um, mm-hmm. My MVP just for that last match was Taker. Mm-hmm. Um, the selling he did in the match, the blading. I think I have to just give it to him on the <laughs> on the on the premise that he just bled probably a few pints of blood, if not a ton of blood in that match and uh, my match of the night has to be Edge and uh, Mysterio versus uh, Benoit and Angle um, what about your, your, you guys Andre what are your MVP and match of the night uh, my match of the night is going to have to be the Smackdown tag team title match but my MVP I'm going to have to give to Lesnar because oh. you got you got to remember this was I think only his 5th or 6th month as a professional wrestler and he was in the ring, in the Hell in a Cell, with one of the greatest of all time, just looking like a monster, and yeah, I, I just, I love Brock Lesnar, man. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, what about yourself? I'm going to go slightly differently. Um, my match of the night, I'm going to say, was Triple H and Kane. I thoroughly enjoyed that match. Um, MVP, yeah, I'm going to give it to Taker, just for the, the sheer amount of blood that he lost, and just kept on chugging. <laughs> good choice yeah i think there, there's quite a few choices in this one and uh the only reason i think i didn't pick perhaps uh the kane and uh, triple h match was maybe the kitty vick <laughs> sullying the, the, the match yeah. in the background but uh maybe uh, we should award kitty vick an mvp as well just uh, any kitty vicks out there any kitty vicks out there award yourself an mvp because uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome so that brings us to the end of our show um but there's a few things we need to discuss so that was no mercy 2002 but what about no mercy 2017 so um as we sort of mentioned throughout the sort of pay-per-view there we didn't want to well i didn't want to bring up the uh, the newest pay-per-view until perhaps the end just as a, a little bit of a brucey bonus uh, content just so we can sort of chat about the uh, the matches and uh what we thought of the overall uh, card and I'll be completely honest I haven't watched the entire card I've just sort of watched the matches I wanted to watch which I think is the the way I'm going to you know approach new WWE um, events uh, mm-hmm. for the time being just until I get a little bit more time to do it but um, 
I'll run down the match cards and then uh, if you guys have any comments you can just uh, jump in I guess and uh, we can chat about it. Um, I don't think anyone's going to have anything to say about the prelim show which was uh, Elias Sampson uh, or just Elias as he's known now defeating Apollo Crews (laughs) in a singles match. Any takers? No? Nah. Next. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, The Miz with uh, his Miz-Tourage, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel um, defeated Jason Jordan for the... uh, He retained his Intercontinental Championship. Um, This was a really good match, but... And there's a but at the end of the match in that everyone was behind the Miz because the Jason Jordan Kurt Angle storyline is bollocks and yeah I think everyone can agree now that it's not working um but on the plus side for me Jason Jordan was excellent in this match he was his moves were crisp his punches were crisp his selling was good I have nothing to complain about the guy himself it's he's a great athlete Mm -hmm. absolutely he did a at one stage I believe it was a northern light suplex and it was the bridge that he got on the, the Miz was just unreal. Um, so he's got all the talent in the world. It's just he's been thrust into a really horrible storyline. What did you guys think of this uh, this match, Andy? You any thoughts? Yeah, I think that the the match was fantastic for what it was. If we take the the storyline out of it, if it was just two athletes in the the ring, then yes, it was an absolute uh, belter to watch. The uh, just as you mentioning the the Northern Lights, uh, the one he hit with the uh, the float over, I thought that mm-hmm. was fantastic. I've never seen yeah. anyone attempt something like that before. Uh, it was really cool to watch. Hits with a, a second one into the bridge for the uh, the pin. But yeah, when you listen to the crowd, um, <laughs> there was Rocky sucks. Yeah, there there <laughs> was an awful day. lot for, uh, for 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 Jason Jordan. Which is absolutely shame. not yeah it is uh, yeah, I, yeah I don't really have anything to add to what uh, Andy just said pretty much how I feel about it too mm. yeah it's definitely worth them any any listeners out there it's definitely worth checking out it's 10 minutes long um, so it is quite short um, as is today's standard but uh, overall pretty good next match was uh, Finn Balor uh, defeating uh, Bray Wyatt in a probably the first ever time I've ever heard this but it was a man versus man match <laughs> <laughs> is that so, the only one on the card like that? <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently so. <laughs> I it hope was, they um, put that in 2K19. Man versus man match. What's different about this? Well, it's just you get announced slightly different, you know. <laughs> um, this was... I, I've, I've had enough of uh, Balor versus Wyatt, and we've only had a few matches. Well, we've had about, what, two, three months out of them? Maybe yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah. I'm just done. Um, Balor's beaten them every single time. Um Obviously, he had the uh, the match at SummerSlam there, where he beat him in the uh, the demon costume, and now he's beat him as the man Finn Balor. Um, but Bray did look excellent in this match. I have to say, this is probably the best Bray Wyatt match that I've seen in a long time. Like he actually looked competitive, um, but overall, it was you know the feud is not there. The the storyline is pretty dire, and it does impact the match, I think, overall. Um, but just in terms of two competitors in the ring, if you can ignore that, it's there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it, too, was about uh, 11 minutes. 11 minutes, 35 seconds. Anyone, any, uh, any other thoughts on the match? Uh, the thing with me about this match is that in the beginning, Bray... Uh, kind of cheated and attacked Finn Balor before the match Mm -hmm. and quote-unquote injured him. So what I thought was going to happen since Bray cheated, I thought Balor would go in the back, 
uh, get their face paint on, turn into the demon, <laughs> and then they then they would have a, uh, the actual match later on in the show. And Balor could be like, "Well, you, you wanted man to man, but like you cheated, whatever." So mm. now you get the demon. I thought that's what they were gonna do, but then Bray just kind of did the whole "you're a coward" speech, and Finn was like, "What? What'd you say?" And just took off his <laughs> jacket and came back and and beat yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he had some new snazzy outfit uh, on uh, Balor. Yeah, I, I did like that. Yeah, he, he was looking. I mean, Jesus, he's he's probably the most ripped man on <laughs> WWE television today. Uh, this guy does not look like he has ingested a calorie in years. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fourth or third match on the main card was uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose defeating Cesaro and Sheamus. For, to retain their WWE Raw Tag Team Championships. This was a great match. Um, this was the second longest match of the night. Um, and this... Seth Seth and Dean work excellent together. That's just a given. Um, obviously, with their Shield days and NXT, they've, they've sort of come up together. Those two guys can work excellently together. Cesaro and Sheamus have really come along leaps and bounds i was thoroughly entertained in this match between with those two guys they get a ridiculous amount of offense in the match cesaro obviously i sort of mentioned earlier basically gets his front teeth like knocked out but they're yeah. i think they got snapped in half because yeah later on a little bit sticking uh-huh. out he's gonna need yeah. to get them capped or something yes i've had a uh I've got a, a sort of cap on one of my teeth on, on the front of me. I got it knocked out with a hockey stick once upon a time. Ooh. And it's very sore. Um, so him losing two, possibly more, possibly chipping like a whole bunch of teeth and then busting his mouth open. I, I mean, this guy is just unreal. And he kept going and he didn't stop. And you know what was even better? Nobody stopped him. Nobody came along and said, hold on, let me get the gloves out. Right, let's start <laughs> dabbing that face. <laughs> they just let it go and it played into the match this guy was just not giving up and I thought this was a tremendous match and spot of the night probably for me was the uh, white noise with a powerbomb of Seth Rollins mm. onto Dean Ambrose I just thought was excellent um, yeah any thoughts uh, Andre yourself uh, this kind of gave me flashbacks to the Kurt Angle Benoit Edge Rey Mysterio match that I watched the night before <laughs> uh, I don't think this was as good but this was pretty good. I, I also love that uh, top rope powerbomb thing that they did. It was like the Authors of Pain, but yes. better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And probably absolutely. safer. I think the only thing I complained I have is Cesaro needs to change his entrance or they need to come out together because these two guys just, they need a joint tag team entrance, I think, and a and a... They're called the bar, which is a shit name. Um, <laughs> what? <but> maybe <laughs> the bar. Maybe if they have like a, a song or something or a theme music, maybe it might help. But uh, did you enjoy this one, Andy? Did you check this one out? Yeah, I thought this one was uh, was cracker. I, I do like Seamus and Cesaro. Um, the when they started, when they were sort of forced to become a tag team, I thought the entrance was brilliant. You know, one always interrupting the other's um, entrance. Which I thought was yes. a, a nice wee thing, but now that now they've the sort of got that little joint um, entrance, which works okay, but I think I, I kind of agree that maybe they need something to come out together to be taken a wee bit more seriously. But the the match itself was fantastic, and I can only imagine how much pain was actually rocking through Cesaro every time he took a bump. 
God, after yeah, getting the teeth absolutely. knocked out. Um, but he looked like a megastar in this one, and hopefully he's going to get rewarded for his uh, effort in this match. Yeah, um, new teeth. A little push would be nice for the guy. Um, match four was Alexa Bliss defeating a gaggle of women, which was uh, Bailey, Emma, Nia Jax, and Sasha Banks in a fatal five-way match for the well for her championship belt, the Raw Women's Championship belt. Um, this was nine minutes forty. I was really surprised by this match. This was. Um, fantastic Mm -hmm. actually and I would thoroughly recommend anyone to go and check it out Um, basically they Nia Jax was the star in this match um, which I never thought I'd ever say (laughs) Um, I think I've been pretty hard on on her in the past but she looked great in this match she took a bump uh, a power bomb off the apron onto the mats that was so scary and Corey I think said it looked like her knee hit her face and it, it did look close. Uh, she just looked like she landed on her neck, which was terrifying when a woman of that size is is taking bumps like that. But it was a, a really good match. Uh, unfortunately, Bailey lost uh, the match. I mm. did think maybe Emma might take the pinfall, but uh, unfortunately, they're on a downward streak for Bailey because uh, they don't know what to do with her character, or you know, they don't know how to take her. But uh, it's it's sad to see her going down the rankings, especially because. When she came in, all of the kids were cheering and, you know, like loving her. And now it's like nobody gives a shit about her. And it's not her fault. It's completely the booking that she's been involved in. But, um, yeah, I mean, all they need to do to turn that round is give maybe even a a triple threat, allow Sasha to steal the belt and then start a, a rivalry between those two, the best friends now turning on each other. I think that Bailey does need to play the downtrodden character in that she needs to be beaten up mm-hmm. and she needs to be bullied, unfortunately, um, to to get that character back on track because that's what the character was originally. She was beaten up in NXT. She was, you know, people were taking the piss out of her, like uh, Sasha obviously saying she's not good enough for the championship and she needs to basically get a fire stoked within her yeah. to, to to want to, to get the belt back. I think handing her the belt again is going to do nothing for anyone. So I think trying to maybe segue Sasha and Bailey off to one side and forget about the belt for now, have them wrestle even and just sort of build a feud or something. Mm. Give them something to do um, where they can maybe tell a story. Maybe they can do a tag team together. Anything. But uh, going for the belt over and over again is just uh, it's not doing anything for her. Andre, what do you think of this one? I do think that the women should have some storylines outside of the title on both Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, exactly. Because two of them feud for the title, and then the other six, they just sit there and do nothing. That's why we keep seeing these four-man, five-way matches so that they're all involved in something. But I wish they did some storylines. Kind of makes me think of that... Tori Wilson and Don Marie storyline. I mean, you don't have to go that insane, but like, just come up with something for them to do that's not for the belt. Well, I mean, everything we're talking about is going to become completely irrelevant in about a month's time when Asuka makes an appearance. Yeah, yeah. she'll probably come in and beat Bailey. <laughs> she'll beat everyone. Yeah, it's she's making her debut, I think, on the SmackDown side, so she's going to be no, on the it's TLC. On Raw. It's Raw. Is that Raw? Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay, so she's Raw. Yeah, she's so it's the, the TLC. Yeah, she's coming into this gaggle of women, so it's going to be pretty much everyone she faced in NXT. Yeah. 
So fingers crossed they don't drop the ball with her. But uh, the next match was the uh, match between Roman Reigns and John Cena, with uh, Roman uh, going over John Cena. Um, I sort of just flicked through a lot of this match. I didn't have a lot of time today to watch it, but um, it was... It was not what I was expecting. Uh, Roman Reigns kicked out of four AAs, which was slightly alarming, and uh, I think even a super AA at one stage yep. didn't he hit? Yeah. Um, to to say that he was rammed down everyone's throats again is not doing it enough justice. This guy is he's still not over, it and they're still not done with trying to get him into our, our hearts and minds. Um, but uh, what did you think of the the matches, guys? Did you, did you did you like this match? It was the longest on the card. It was twenty two minutes. Jeez. I liked the match. I thought it was the best of the night. Uh, but I was I I kind of expected the finish, especially since Cena was being really sassy in the beginning. He he was almost overselling it, kind of like Shawn Michaels. Not that bad, but uh, Shawn Michaels and Hogan. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cena he he was acting really weird in the beginning, and. He officially has the most useless finisher ever. I think <laughs> Scotty Too Hotties the Warm is more guaranteed to get a pin than the <laughs> AA. Uh, it's just stupid. And uh, but I guess the right man won because Cena's career is—I uh, I don't want to say it's over, but it's definitely—he's definitely a part timer. He's definitely trying to expand yeah. uh-huh. into movies and TV shows. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I wish he put over someone else, but he's been putting over uh, a lot of people lately. Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, Shinsuke. Sure, sure. So he, he can't can't really blame him. He can't say that Cena is burying people anymore. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I think that uh, while it was probably the right move to make for them, I think that um, they're 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 still going to encounter difficulties trying to get Roman over in terms of fan support but i mean any reaction is better than no reaction so i mean mm. roman at the end you could see mouthing just going any day all day you know um to the crowd booing at him uh when cena raised his hand i mean massive boo of the night nobody wanted to see it but one, they were thing, reacting so yeah one thing that annoyed me is the announcers they were saying how this is the biggest win of roman's career even bigger than beating the undertaker uh, I don't have a problem with them saying that, but it kind of takes away from the Undertaker. Yeah, I think. So yeah, I don't well, like that. that's it. Yeah, I suppose his. Uh, you know, maybe he's going to stop using the "this is my yard" thing, or maybe it's <laughs> they'll incorporate it and in somehow into that he's beaten the big guys in the yard or something. But he's um, probably going to come out and say, "My time is now." <laughs> Instant heat. Instant heat. Uh, the following the match after this was the Enzo Amore match, which I sort of I'm about halfway through it, so I haven't watched the ending yet. I do know the result though. Uh, Amore defeats Neville with what I believe is a kick to the dick um, yep. for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, which, from what I've seen, Neville wasn't getting any kind of offense in the match, and. From what I've read as well, he gets maybe about three moves in or three pieces of offense in, and then wins with the uh, the toe to the cock, as I say. You mean Enzo? <laughs> the yeah, Enzo, Enzo, yes, wins. Oh, he was just thrown around. It's like, I mean, he looked terrible. I know that he's not a good wrestler, but that he could have done more. I know he can do a bulldog or something, or like a suplex. I know he can do that. Uh, but yeah, he just got tossed around, and then he did the Eddie Guerrero thing, where he took the belt, 
um, well, what what Neville was trying to do is beat him up outside and get, and then get him counted out. And yeah. He, and and Neville kept saying, "This is too easy. This is too easy." But on the count of eight, nine, ten, uh, Enzo would come back in the ring, and at one point. He grabbed the belt from where JoJo was sitting and the and the ring bell person. He grabbed the belt and he like started walking around with it. And Neville got pissed. And then um, uh, the ref was trying to take the belt away from Enzo, and Enzo finally gave it to him. So the ref went to to put the belt back, and that's when Enzo kicked him. So mm. oh. in, in the ball. So that that was kind of the whole Enzo Guerrero type of thing. Jeepers. So I think I think that if he can go forward. With the whole Eddie ripoff, I think it could work for him, but he does need to be a little tougher and get some offense in. If he just gets beat up the whole time and then just cheats with one move, then I don't think that's going to be a good look. I think we could see Enzo uh, getting fluke wins with the championship going forward, I think is what I would imagine is going to happen then. Because um, this guy is just, you know, as you say, he's not a good wrestler. Um, hes I would say he's dangerous in the ring to a certain point for himself. Because yeah. I did, you know, obviously I've watched half the match. Towards the beginning of the match, Enzo took a scary bump on his neck where um, Neville kicked his leg out from under him. Oh, and yeah. And he basically, like, I mean, he's, he's great at selling, but he's overselling to a point, I think, in that he basically just did a backflip onto his onto his neck. And it was yeah, like... just gave himself gonna, a power driver. Oh. Yeah, you're just, I mean, you're going to kill yourself, dude. Don't do that. But, um... It is what it is, and uh, hopefully that will maybe put the nail in the coffin of 205 Live, but we'll soon see, I guess. So the last match uh, was Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman uh, defeating Braun Strowman, which I haven't watched yet, but I have listened to a few podcasts when they were talking about it, and uh, they were saying that it perhaps wasn't the best match, not what everyone thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, I don't want to obviously, you know... I want to. I want to see it for myself. But what did you? Did either of you guys see this one? I watched it. Andy, did you watch it? No, I haven't got that far yet. I'm still okay. Well, in the beginning, it started out with Brock going for his usual takedown. You know where he kind of like uh, picks you up, like rams you into a corner, that type of thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, he went for that. But Braun, he just didn't even move. Like he just hit him in the back, and then Brock was all shocked, and then. Uh, Braun was just um, squashing Lesnar for the next five minutes, just slamming him, running into him in the corner, doing all kinds of things. Uh, it really looked like <laughs> Lesnar was about to job, but uh, he did his German, and uh, Strowman no-sold it. <clears throat> then he hit him with a few more power slams. Then, finally, Brock went for the Kimura lock, and that's what brought... Strowman down and they just kind of laid on the ground there with the Kimura lock and then slowly but surely he started doing the Germans he did I think about six of them um, they were impressive because Braun is a huge guy yeah absolutely and then um, Braun hit him with a couple more power slams but he couldn't cover because his arm was too hurt from the Kimura and then uh, he was just going for another power slam, but Lesnar reversed it. One F5, and that's the three count. Yeah, I think that that's perhaps the part where people have an issue with in that it only took one to put him away, where as you're selling this guy as your your next big monster and he's been taking an absolute punishment from everyone, you know, um, and then just fighting through it, you know. Uh, 
so it's a bit strange that that's the way they would perhaps finish the match but um we'll see i think you know on raw tonight anyway they'll probably do something to maybe like uh, get braun a little bit of his heat back because i certainly think that losing in you know that fashion perhaps could do him some damage in terms of just the crowd taking him seriously but mm. we'll just have to see but then you want you want the finisher to be like the nail in the coffin you don't want the the roman reigns thing where he takes four aas well nothing well what have we learned from earlier in the night that it does take multiple finishers to put away your opponent because at that level you're super tough <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- especially I, I, th- I think uh every nobody kicks out of the f5 i think maybe the undertaker did once mm, but yeah. if braun would have kicked out of one f5 and then right away took another one and then got yeah. pinned then he would have looked like a monster but yeah, just one f5 from a Lesnar who was tired, like he he acted like he could barely pick Braun up. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah. it was like the uh, Triple H uh, back in the day. The no one kicked out of the the pedigree. It was one and done. I think the mm-hmm. the first person to do it was Cactus Jack. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. and that was years after. Yeah. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe we'll see a rematch, or uh, maybe Braun will move on to. Uh, other things we'll have to wait and see but hopefully they don't drop the ball with this guy because he's just getting over so much with the uh, the crowd and Definitely. i actually like him myself so it's uh yeah i like doing Braun a right. lot. Mm-hmm. i know it's quite rare we've been really positive on uh, <laughs> a, an actual pay-per-view that's uh, not from uh, you know 15 20 years ago <laughs> that was yeah. a good card <laughs> yeah so i'm definitely gonna check that match out and just sort of finish up watching some of the uh the other matches that i sort of flick through perhaps uh in a little bit more detail um, but that's sort of uh, our, our, the end of our second review, I guess, for uh, No Mercy 2017. But uh, we do have a little bit of news. Uh, Andre, do you want to take the floor, as it were? Yeah, so I was talking to Andy and David, and I'm thinking about not being, not participating as much in the upcoming podcast because I realized, I mean, I thought I was a wrestling fan, but after talking to these guys, I realized that I know nothing about wrestling. <laughs> I think that's he, pretty harsh on yourself. I think you know more well, than the average I, Joe. Certainly I know er, I know everything from like 1998 to 2005, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes these guys, they just talk about the Japanese guys and the British guys. And mm. we have a group chat on Facebook and they're like messaging. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? I don't know what's <laughs> going on. And... Um, I don't know. I've just been really busy with my personal life, like I mentioned in the beginning of the um, episode. And there's a very important person in my life who I'm trying to help with some serious problems. So I've, I, I kind of have a hard time concentrating on more than one thing, which is not a good characteristic, I guess. But that's just the way I am. So I feel kind of bad, like not participating, because originally it was just me and Dave. We were kind of fifty-fifty, but I feel like. Dave is doing like 90% of the work and I'm not contributing as much. So I think it's best if just Dave and Andy kind of continue to do the podcasts and maybe you guys can find someone new for your well yes <laughs> we've yeah. got someone we've got, we've got someone already but um yeah. you're obviously still going to be part of the the sort of content that we're going to put out onto YouTube. Um yeah, I there's... hope anyway. I have some ideas. It really depends 
It has to do with uh, WWE 2K18, mm-hmm. so it depends a lot on how the game turns out. It also depends a lot on how difficult my <laughs> ambitious project is going to be. So I'm going <laughs> to, after the game comes out, I'm going to mess around with some things and and see what I can do. And I don't want to talk about it too much right now because if I can't do it, then mm-hmm. it's going to yeah. be disappointing. So once if I figure out that I can do it, I'm going to make a video for our YouTube channel explaining what it's going to be. So I think a lot of people will like it if it turns out the way I think it will. So, yeah. And also, I don't I don't want to completely leave the podcast because I, I really like David and Andy that you guys have been great hmm. and a lot of fun to talk to and we had a lot of laughs. So if you guys would welcome me to certain podcasts, like maybe a WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble or something like that. Absolutely, yeah. Well, then I would, I would yeah. love to. I would love to do that. Absolutely, so, I'm yeah. so keen on you know this podcast being almost like a little mini network, yeah. and yeah. that we sort of slowly work in different ideas and different, you know, different things that we want to do. You know, obviously we do this because it's creative. You know, it's a creative outlet that um, you know I started in you know YouTube because it was a creative way for me to sort of, I guess, get my sort of thoughts and opinions across doing like video game reviews and video like walkthroughs and things like that. And this is the same thing. It's just, it's, it's about wrestling. And I sort of like to give people a forum to talk on, uh, well, a soapbox to stand on to talk about wrestling. And, you know, I don't mind putting it together because it's a pleasure to hear somebody else's thoughts and opinions on something that I like to, to listen to. So, or to, Mm -hmm. to watch, so um, we're going to continue, and uh, you know, as Andre says, he's not leaving. He's not uh, going anywhere as such, and we will 100%. You know, you'll be welcomed back to do the uh, perhaps the big, uh, the big episodes, and yeah. I've got a few ideas around that. Like myself, you know, the creative juices are flowing, and uh, we're going <laughs> to do something perhaps a little bit more different um, for our, okay. you know, for the big pay per views like Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, as you say. I've got a, a bit of an idea for that, and uh, hopefully that's going to pan out in my head and i can get that down onto to paper and uh try and get it <laughs> try and tell you guys what it's going to be at some stage but um we'll see how that works and uh and yeah as, as andre says we're, we're gonna obviously need perhaps somebody else to to take the reins or to join the team as it were and and maybe do the podcast um because i think the three-man team works really well unlike modern day smackdown and uh and yeah. raw. <laughs> i think a three-man booth works well and most podcasts i listen to are three 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 people and uh maybe maybe four occasionally but um mm-hmm. so um if you did check out our last podcast which was well it was andy's podcast which was SummerSlam 2017 um it was andy and uh his brother mark which you didn't actually mention it was just it was just like, oh, this is Mark, and <laughs> there was no mention that it was your brother or anything. <laughs> I'll be honest, I was that nervous doing the thing. I forgot most of the things that I had planned. Yeah, it's it's difficult to sort of get to get the wheels turning. I, I think uh, when you're doing these podcasts, but yeah. it came off great at the end. And uh, so Mark's going to join us, and going forward to do the sort of random pay per views that we're picking, and uh, that segues quite nicely. We'll do a little introduction for Mark the next time. Maybe I'll ask him some more questions other than uh, you know what have you been up to? <laughs> but uh, what's our uh, what's our next pay per view, Andy? Because I believe it is your turn. It is indeed. So the next pay-per-view for present day will be Hell in a Cell so obviously we wanted to go back to watch an iconic Hell in a Cell match so I'm actually taking us back to 1998 the King of the Ring 
where we'll have nice one of the it's it's probably the match you think of when someone tells you hell in the cell yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah that's so it he's dead be, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's going to be two podcasts or two episodes where we've got a hell in a cell on them yeah, uh, which is going to be uh interesting but i think uh that one might eclipse this one for sure but uh, we'll see how that goes so there you go folks that will do us for today um if you like the episode don't forget uh to leave us a comment or leave us a like or uh follow us on soundcloud obviously the episodes are all on itunes as well everything's for free um so work away join us on twitter tell us how great we are um and all the rest of it but what's uh what's the best way for people to get in touch with yourselves guys andy what about yourself um, you can find me on www.command-hq.co.uk and that'll link you to the the Facebook, the Twitter, the YouTube channels. And you'll be able to check out the the vlogs and the videos that we've been uh, we've been firing up. Excellent. And uh, Andre, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me at Andre Wakefield on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Excellent. And if you want to follow me, uh, you can do so at Lostro. And the reason why I'm saying my own Twitter this time is because I sort of pissed off a wrestler during the week. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it was... It's quite lengthy to get into, but needless to say, it was nothing really uh, notable anyway. But uh, <laughs> And it was uh, it was Jimmy Havoc from uh, well RevPro, and it was over a comment I made about hardcore wrestling and him i think it was him or it was somebody doing a death valley driver off of scaffolding and i said there's far and then there's too far which he said then there's somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about pretty much um <laughs> so and a lot of people backed him up in that but uh needless to say i won't be using the wrestle blast podcast twitter account to uh, to post my uh, my feelings on things um but i apologize to him anyway it was all meant in uh, in good jest um, so you can follow me at Lostro on Twitter, or if you want to follow us on the, uh, the WrestleBlast accounts, you can do so at WrestleBlast on Twitter, or on Facebook. You can join our small Facebook group, but there's quite a lot of content there at WrestleBlast Podcast. And that'll do us, folks. We'll see you in the next one. Bye for see me. See ya. Bye-bye.